You're listening to Fan Holes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. I have clinical. You guys are like wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's <laughs> going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those that? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. <laughs> I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. I, uh, we are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman! <laughs> it is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> We do a podcast? What the fuck? Mm-mm. This be some spread. Gambit not gonna be playing solitaire tonight. Gambit, what are you doing over here? Talking to yourself in the third person. And what's all this food? Oh, Professor, Gambit have plans tonight. Once Cher shows up, Gambit gonna wine and dine her. Then we're going to listen to Fan Holes, the pop culture podcast made for the fans by the fans. Fan Holes? I'll not have my school turned into a den of debauchery and science fiction trivia. No, Gambit. You'll just have to perform your obscene mating rituals elsewhere. Uh-oh, sound like the professor getting a little cranky. Gambit think it's time for you to go to bed. What? What are you? Oh! Unhand me at once! Unhand me, you swamp-fed ignoramus! Oh! Relax, mona me. Gambit just gonna tuck you in real nice. Uh, X-Men, emergency help! <laughs> Curse you, fan holes! And don't mess with the fan holes! Hey guys, welcome back to another exciting X episode of the Fan Holes podcast. It is an X episode because as of tomorrow, if you're listening to this, the all-new X-Men film Days of Future Past is coming out. So we decided this would be a fun time to go into mega detail and do an all-X-Men show with all the fan holes. So, uh, some of the things we're going to try and talk about are some of our favorite comics and storylines, and maybe some of our favorite creative teams will come up during that. We all want to let everybody know who our favorite X-Men characters are. And then, you know, we thought maybe we'd go into some other things like cartoons or video games, toys, what have you. So, to get started right away, this is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, and my fellow hosts, why don't you give a sound off to all the listeners, guys. Hey, it's Mike Thunderwing, and tell Cyclops I made him a convertible. (laughs) Show's over. I am Justin, Master of Magnet. And I am Tony, and I'm the best there is at what I do, and what I do is drink myself into a coma. (laughs) 
so we're we're all doing X Men tonight. I was trying to like catch up on a bunch of stuff because I I um I, I guess I've been pretty current. Like I just read Battle of the Atom and. You know, I just read, like, the last couple issues of, like, Wolverine and the X-Men and some of the Bendis stuff, like the all-new X-Men and things like that. But um, let's start with Mike, because I like to start with Mike, because I, I, I fear Mike's many honorable mentions. So, uh, Mike, what, it, what would be, like, your favorite comics and storylines from the X-Men line of comics? And maybe along those lines, you know, maybe some of your favorite creative teams to, to let all the listeners know. Maybe there's something that, you know, you, you always seem to have a knack of, like, every once in a while when we do these things. Like, I liked when you did the Batman uh, favorite stories because you picked out some cool animated series stuff that I had never read before. So I look forward to hearing some of your favorites. Is it also well, because Mike's, like, Cyclops avatar is looking at us very disapprovingly? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Racer X is looking at you very disapprovingly. No, um, I don't know. I, I guess mine's not very original or anything. Like, I don't have any, like, suit. I probably don't have anything you've never read or anything, uh, Derek, because, like, I've act- unlike Batman, I've actually read a ton of X-Men stuff. So, you know, uh, a, a ton of, like, legit. X-Men stuff, I'll say. <laughs> but, um, I don't know, it was hard to narrow it down, because, like, there's so much, like, like, basically, I, like, I knew it was gonna come from, like, the Claremont Burn era, because that was, like, when I, I first started reading, like, uh, the, the cla- like, it wasn't, they weren't my first comic, like, X-Men stories, but they were the first time I was like, man, this stuff is, like, fucking kick-ass, like, you know, and I think that Claremont Burn era, like, the first one has, like, so many good stories, like, one after the other, after the other, after the other, and you're like, man, is this ever not gonna get good? And, you know, eventually it kind of simmers down, but, um, I don't, I, out of all the, like, obviously I'll have a bunch of honorable mentions, but I, I narrowed my absolute favorite X-Men story down to the pro, the original Proteus saga, because I think that's a very, like, I think it's three issues, but, um, like, Claremont had been building it up for, like, dozens of issues before that, like, when Magneto escaped from your island, and, like, you see, like, Mutant X is, like, right next to his cell or whatever, and Mutant X escaped, and then, like, every ten issues, there'd be a new, like, little, like, thing where, like, Mutant X killed someone else and whatever. And then you get, like, up to the Proteus saga, and, you know, you find out it's Moira's son, and he's, like, this horrific, like, life vampire, basically, and he can alter reality and stuff. And, I don't know, like, I I really just thought it was pretty, like, awesome. Like, I think everyone gets taken, like, right to the brink, and, like, you know, you get a good, like, sense of, um... Uh, what do you call it, like, leadership from Cyclops, and he gets to, you know, I like when they're all shell-shocked after the first, like, encounter with Proteus, and Cyclops, like, kicks their asses into shape and stuff, where, you know, Wolverine's, like, crying, and, like, (laughs) Nightcrawler and Storm are all shaken up, and he's kind of like, you know, I I better, like, you know, do something, or these guys are going to be, like, out of it, but... Um, I, I also, like, I know, Derek, you like to goof on that, uh, classic X-Men backup story, where it's, like, retcon that, like, Wolverine was never really scared of pro Yeah, yeah. He's, like, you know, and, he like, was, yeah, He I, was totally badass, and his, his bowels were totally, like, solid, <laughs> like, when that was going down, yeah. He was using his new secret attack, crying in a corner. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Wolverine's plan was get into the fetal position. <laughs> But no, the, what do you call? It? I I agree with you. I think like I think it's it, if for those not listening who don't know what we're talking about, there was like years and years later, there was a classic X Men backup story where it revisits that moment where like Proteus attacks like Wolverine and kind of turns his like senses upside down. And in the original story, like well, yeah, Wolverine's kind of like reduced to like almost crying because it, like Proteus like fucks him up so bad. But like in the classic story, it's kind of it kind of goes into Wolverine's like uh, inner monologue, and he's kind of like like this dirt bag throws everything he's got at me, but you know I just power on through it. Oh, and, is you know, that Pro- one where like at the end he like stabs him? He's like, gotcha. Yeah, exactly. And Proteus is like, oh my god, he's still coming at me. Like, what can I do? You know? Yeah. And I don't know. I I don't think that was even written by Claremont. I, I, I forgot who it was written by, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't a Claremont story. But um, in whatever case, like, I, I think it's a lot better that Wolverine was scared because, like, to- in the last fight with Proteus, he has to, like, kind of overcome that fear. And it's kind of, like, more, like, character development, pretty much. So, like, I think that was a lot more believable. But, you know, well, in whatever. Like, I was I was looking through some of the, the comics I had set aside of X-Men that I hadn't gotten around to reading yet. But there was a, um, I think there was like a miniseries from like 2010 or something, and and Chris Yost had worked on some of the stuff, so I had it like set aside, and I still haven't really read it, but I was like organizing some stuff, and I just kind of was, I started to flip through some things, like while I was like organizing my comics, because I was like, well wait, like, I've got to read some X-Men comics, and I was just clearing up some stuff, but one of the stories was, and I think it was actually written by Len Wein too, which, or, or maybe they gave him credit because some of the scenes were directly aped from Giant Size X Men number one. But just like we were talking about, like how, how you said the Proteus story was revisited. So like that opening scene where all the X Men are being introduced to one another, you know, the all new, all different X Men. There's like basically you you get to see the internal monologue of Wolverine and it's like super fan or overload where it's like you know basically like Wolverine sitting there going I don't know if I should have left Department H for all these losers bub but let's see how I can handle them you know and it'd be like you know it, it basically Professor X is like welcome new X Men it's like here's your leader Cyclops well I just stab him in the eyeballs you know and that's like his internal monologue monologue is like how he's going to take out all the X-Men in case things go sour, I guess, for him or whatever. <laughs> I was told there's like, going to be a redhead. I totally fuck a redhead where she's at. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically, like, that's what the story was. And it was kind of funny. It was just kind of like, it's like, oh, Banshee, he does screaming, huh? Well, I'll just rip out his vocal cords with my adamantium. And then, like, it gets the guys where you're like, oh, well, how's he going to fight, like, guys like, you know, um... Thunderbird and, and Colossus that are actually stronger than him. And it's just like with like Thunderbird, it's like, yeah, he don't have no training. He's basically me without my training. So I totally like kick his ass. And I'm like, what? And then it's like, he gets the Colossus. It's like, well, he may turn his skin to steel, but steel don't hold up to Admantium, bub. And it's like Colossus <laughs> is there like in a pile of his own blood gurgling to death, you know? And I'm just kind of like, what is this? Like, it was just like this funny fanfic to me where it's just like basically like Wolverine's like taking out all these guys in his head and then like he gets like snapped out of it because like i think storm you know just like in the real comic like blows out his cigar with you know oh forgot about the weather witch you know or whatever you know but i was just like 
you know, and it's like, and Wolverine, like, what are you thinking about? And he's like, don't you know, bub, can't you read my mind? I prefer not to read people's minds without their permission. And he's just like, gulp, well, that's good for me. You know, wink to the camera like he's like Clark Kent in an old filmation cartoon or something. <laughs> so it, you just thought about murdering all the X-Men or whatever. It made me so happy if like, they had like a shot of Colossus and he's thinking like, yeah, Dato Veris, I could like, you know, take your claws and just pound your head into the ground over and show like a bloody like Wolverine head in his hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, I just thought, I thought I'd bring that up because we're talking about Proteus and the way, you know, fan aura of Wolverine is revisited in later stories where it's like, I didn't really get backhanded by Cyclops. I like totally like wanted to bruise his knuckles. So I put my Mantium jaw in the way, <laughs> you know, or whatever. You know, it's like, oh, okay. I see how that goes. I think the worst thing I read similar to that was that first X-Men I mean, oh, series oh, okay. Adams and okay. I, I haven't read that yeah that was awful it's basically like Wolverine and Sabretooth when they're like you know still friends kind of and they have this big adventure with like mutant rights and basically Xavier is at the point in his life where he's like leave me alone I don't want to be around mutants and basically Wolverine and Sabretooth inspire him he's like I'm going to like start a school for gifted students thanks Wolverine like you know, thumbs up. I'm like, this is the worst oh, thing I've ever God. read about X Men. Yeah, how to go bang Mother Teresa? This is so awesome. Yeah. So, uh, so just back. Wolverine was the one who inspired Mother Teresa <laughs> to help people. <laughs> I, I will say that. Drink, drink that six pack and and slaughter like 500 like armed uh, guards inspired me to go around the world and heal people. Um, <laughs> I, I will. But, I'll, I'll, I'll let Mike finish. I just want to say this. So all the backup stories were not always horrible. There was one that was really good. It's called The Spigot at the End of the Universe. It's in the backup of a classic X-Men, and it's when Charles is in uh, uh, fucking... Uh, what's the name of the uh, the uh, Landra's, like, council? Chandelier? Chandelar or whatever? This one is... Shiar? Yeah, at least with the Shiar. It's like the, the fucking... like. Oh, is that the one where he meets the plumber? Yeah, that was a really nice story. It's, yeah, that is a good story. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, it's drawn by uh, Mobius, which is really weird, because he doesn't usually do a lot of uh, uh, straightforward comic stuff. He does, like, you know, heavy metal and stuff. And it's a nice story. Charles is being a dick. Uh, Lalandra's like, you're being a dick. And she's like, go with the plumber. And he's like, oh, I gotta, I gotta go with the plumber. You people think so little of, like, humans. And this little nice, like, seven-page story, she puts him in his place, but not in a mean way. She just, like, you know, gives him a little bit of wisdom. And, you know, at the end, he's like, you really are not what you seem. I mean, who the hell are you? And he's, and she's like, I'm a plumber. I fix things. And it was just a nice little story. So not all the backup ones are, are as horrible. I just want to no, no, I, no, I, I was going to say, I'd say the majority of them are good. But sometimes, yeah, you encounter, like, weird stuff like that. Yeah. But anyway, I didn't mean to cut off your thunder. Go ahead, sir. No, no. What do you call that? That kind of ties in. I was going to say, like, that. I was going to say, like, that's not to say, like, those classic X-Men backups aren't good, because they are. Like the, like I said, the bulk of them are really great, like, one-off stories. But, uh, like, that's I pretty much read all that, like, the original, like, Claremont and Burns stuff in those classic X-Men repaint, uh, repaints, re, repeat, uh, prints. I was going to say repeats, and then I finally settled on reprints. But, uh, um, repaints, reprints. Yes. 
I'm, uh, yeah, my brain's not working. <laughs> Professor X is screwing with my brain. But is Proteus making you cry in the corner? Instead of reprint. <laughs> <laughs> You're fired. No. <laughs> no, I love at the end of Proteus, like, when Colossus has to kill him and stuff, and, like, like uh, Gene, like, TK lifts, like, Wolverine and Cyclops and everyone up there, and, like, Moira's kind of crying in Colossus's arms, and Wolverine goes up to Colossus, and he's kind of like, you know, you ace that scumball, PD, you know? And they're like, Colossus is like, Wolverine, comrade, please, woman is crying in arms, you know? (laughs) (laughs) But I I always thought that was funny, but, yeah, but that, uh, to move on, so I don't, like, keep clogging everything up, uh, that, 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 the Proteus Saga is my number one like favorite X Men story, and oh, the one last thing I wanted to mention. I also, I know, like obviously everyone knows that like I'm not too much of a fan of Wolverine, but I just can't help like liking all these moments where he looks like a dumbass or he gets gets abused or whatever. But I love, and it's also an argument I always use when people like bring up like Wolverine's fan aura and stuff. I love that scene when Proteus throws him off the mountain. And, and, like, you know, Colossus and Cyclops are on the ground, and Colossus is like, Oh, no, my little Tovarich Wolverine is falling! And, you know, and Cyclops is kind of like, Even Wolverine can't, like, survive a fall from this height. And, you know, Cyclops has to, like, shoot Wolverine in the ass, like, a bunch of times to, like, soften his fall. And, like, Colossus finally catches him. Like, I love that scene. But, um, Cyclops is giggling the whole time, <laughs> shooting him in the butt. Yeah. But anyway, on to my honorable mentions. Uh, Another, like, Days of the Future Past also, like, kind of, like, barely, like, almost, like, beat Proteus. But then I decided I liked Proteus better as my, like, favorite, number one favorite story. Like, the original Days of the Future Past, that's a great, like, story. Like, another great, like, you know, alternate reality where everyone dies. And, like, I love those types of stories and whatnot. And a, and a lone sentinel kills Wolverine. Sorry, I keep going back. Well, well, at least like Wolverine gets to be a badass, but also not a badass. It's told really well. Yeah, yeah. Like I had, I have no problem with like Wolverine in these stories because he's part of the team rather than being like sort of some kind of like force unto himself. Where you know it gets kind of overwhelming. But but uh, just some other brief mentions as for honorable mentions. Um. Like, for recent, like, recent, more recent stuff, like, in the last, like, decade or so, like, I really liked uh, Brubaker's uh, Rise and Fall of the Shi'ar Empire, like, and I don't usually like, like, I know Derek does, but I don't usually like, like, outer space stuff, but it seems like the, the like, caveat is, like, I like when the X-Men are in space, basically, like, uh, I don't know, like whatever it is, but, like, I really liked that whole deal, and I liked, you know, I like Nightcrawler, and I, I... Brubaker made me really like Warpath as, like, a member of the X-Men in that story, and I thought that was a nice, like, year-long story. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that a lot, actually. It's yeah. funny, because sometimes when I tell people I enjoy that, like, a lot of the hardcore X-Men fans will be like, what? Like, you know, they'll get all indignant about it, like, that's no good, you know, and I'm just yeah, kind of like, like I, I, I don't know, I don't know what people's problem with it is exactly, except for, you know, I'm sure there's, you know, they, they probably have some kind of continuity glitch with it or whatever, but. Well, my, I was going to say, yeah. like, I think 
I think like I I didn't like Deadly Genesis and I didn't like no. the idea of Vulcan or whatever, but I think he's kind of yeah. redeemed by that story. Yeah, like I I hated Deadly Genesis. Like I, I thought it was I, just did I thought it was really bad. No, 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 it's okay. I I I you know, I I just never liked Deadly Genesis, but kind of like what Mike's saying, I mean the whole, you know, you know me, I like outer space stuff, but I think the the idea that the way Vulcan developed after that, like I didn't like how they got him in the first place, but everything he did after that, I thought was a pretty good use of the character, and and you know even though all sits here and chant about extreme is the real third Summers brother till I'm blue in the face, <laughs> like you know like I I think Vulcan was fine in those stories, like I I, I thought he was. Uh, sort of, you know, kind of like a Superboy Prime type character, you know, like somebody who had a great deal of power, but but felt this kind of indignation about how he was treated and, and kind of had this, I guess, proclivity or, or you know, kind of entitlement, you know, a sense of entitlement for, for things that really, you know, were out of a lot of people's control. But, but you know, it's something that you could sort of relate to. But then, of course, you know, he, he kind of takes it too far, you know, kind of. Yeah, so. I was going to say, yeah, like, Vul- Vulcan is one of those villains, like, yeah, like you said, like Superboy Prime, that you, like, love to hate and you, like, love to see get his comeuppance and stuff. And, like, I, like, I, I followed all the follow-up stuff with him all the way up until War of Kings or whatever. And, like, I really liked, I, I, I forgot if it was in, like, it was in one of those follow-ups between that and War of Kings, like, uh, Kingbreaker or whatever it was called, Emperor Vulcan. But I, I liked the point where like Havoc like managed to like outpower him, like out energy him, like at the point and like Vulcan was all like scarred and whatever and he was like, Oh wow, crap, ah you know <laughs> <laughs> real, real real word balloons from the comic. Ah crap <laughs> But I don't I, I just I like that story because like I said, I don't usually like like outer space stories and like Brubaker like told it in such a way that I really, really liked it. And uh just moving on some other things, um we already discussed it. Um I thought Messiah Complex and Second Coming were pretty good events, like in the past few years. Like both we discussed Second Coming at length. I think they were both good. Um I really liked Whedon's run, like some people will bash it, but I, I think Whedon's run was a like good balance of classic stuff with just like a little tinge of like Morrison craziness at points, or or like Blue Cupcakes, well, you know, uh, you, especially. Well, do you like oh, season God. one and two, or just season two? Because a lot of people said they didn't like season one with Danger and all that, or season two with Danger. I, I don't have a huge problem with Danger. I mean, people seem to like rag on that arc, but I, I thought it was a good concept. Like, I don't know how cool like a design danger is like but i i thought the idea of the danger room gaining sentience or whatever was a pretty good idea yeah i can't hate on it because it brought blot it brought colossus back and that made me happy as hell so yeah i was i was very that's a example of like a resurrection done right where you know like the death was stupid and you know yeah he was he was treated i mean colossus was treated pretty abysmally i think because I, I could be reading too much into it, but what I had always heard was Scott Lobdell was never really fond of the character, and and that whole period where he, 
you know, got killed off was, was the X-Men was being written by Scott Liddell. So it was probably just one of those cases where, you know, it'd be like me, you know, writing Avengers after, I don't know, Jack of Hearts plays like a really big role. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, I'm just like, what? No, I don't care that Jack of Hearts like beat the shit out of like seven Celestials and Galactus and was like <laughs> super badass. I'm just like, nope, I'm all, uh, you know, the purple man tells him to, uh, you know, go jump off a cliff and he falls into the fucking ocean and Namor's like sharks like eat him or something and that's the end of him you know so it's like I kind of feel bad for, for uh, you know I think I think Colossus was treated unfairly you know? Derek's like who's getting blown up for the third time <laughs> yeah it's true but uh yeah like I think the most Morrison-y thing in Whedon's run is the giant space bullet at the end but you know Morrison does seem to have an obsession with bullets like he has a lot of like weird plot devices that involve bullets and I was like man Whedon kind of like bit that off him um I I guess I should mention Morrison's like new X-Men run like I liked it but I I really like People who know me know I'm not a big fan of, like, Frank Quitely's art, and I didn't, it seemed like a lot of, like, artists on that run I didn't like. Like, I forgot there was another guy, um, it's I like forgot Frank his name. Quietly and Igor Cordley. That's the guy, Igor, yeah, I didn't Skyver, like. Like, a lot of these guys that worked with Morrison before. If yeah, it's Igor, you already have low expectations. His his art, I really didn't like. Yeah, you know what's and, interesting like, about that? Like, I I don't know if I'm trying to defend these guys too much or whatever. Like, I do like Frank quietly. I think Ethan Van Skyver when he did like Green Lantern stuff was really great, and and even Igor Cordley, I don't think is is like a terrible artist. But it's like one of those things where like. I feel like sometimes the way they're inked and and how it's presented sometimes, like, I, I don't know what it is. Like, sometimes, like, I'll see those guys' pencils and I'll be like, well, that didn't translate at all into this, you know, final page yeah. or whatever. So I think there's some – I all I'll say is I think there's a lot of elements such as that that go into uh, into that run, but, but I still think it's a pretty good run. Yeah. yeah, like, even if I didn't, like, agree what was happening or like, like, you say, like, at the end with Magneto being, like, an evil, crazy murderer or whatever who herds people into, like, cremators or whatever, like, that doesn't, like, even if I don't like or agree with that, at least, like, it was kind of different and it was, like, you know, unexpected and, I, you know. I think it was something that was, like, needed at the time because I think even though, like, I know, like, we praised Second Coming and Messiah Complex and how they seem like old traditional X-Men crossovers like Mutant Massacre, Inferno, or, you know, even Extinction Agenda or anything like that. I I, I think, you know, at at the time, like with me, I was very like, fuck X-Men. Like it's too complicated. It's like, you know, somebody would pick up an issue. Like the stuff that went on before Morrison was all this awful shit that Claremont wrote. It's like he pissed away his good name writing shit about the Neo and all this (laughs) other. Oh yeah. all these oh, other so much horrible shit. I didn't even read it. Was it really that bad? I heard so much horrible things. It, yeah. it, just, it just wasn't very good. I mean, you had the extreme X-Men and all this other stuff that was, you know, and it was just kind of more layers of impenetrability. And I think the two good things that happened was, you know, the Brian Singer X-Men film came out. And, you know, for all its flaws and faults, like, it told a pretty simple story for the most part that everyday people could follow and get into. And I think Morrison at least 
even though it, it probably took you on this journey where by the end of it, you know, Magneto was tripping balls and you had blue cupcakes and all kinds of craziness going on. I think ultimately when it started, it kind of gave you a basic premise that like mutants were going to overrun the earth basically. And, and, and it was kind of an interesting premise. It kind of turned the whole idea of the X-Men as being this kind of, analogy for minorities on its head do you know what i mean like pretty soon the minorities are going to outnumber the majority and i and i think that's an interesting concept to look at i think ultimately marvel kind of got afraid of that concept and you know yeah, like morrison supposed to be kind of alluded, yeah. you know kind of like morrison alluded to even within his own run he was kind of like by the end of it he's like most of this shit is going to be undone by the time i'm gone do you know what i mean like yeah. like he kind of even told everybody that and he's like that's just how it goes like that's just how comics are so i mean you know it's very self-referential and you know there's lots of interesting things about it but i think it was something that was definitely as much as certain x-men fans might poo-poo on it i think it's something that was was definitely needed at the time you know it was definitely a, a good shot yeah. arm for for the that, comics you know i think yeah the comics were really stagnant before that i think like yeah um I was going to say, I know, like, Chris Claremont has, like, gone on record, like, at the end of Morrison's run, like, kind of like sour grapes kind of saying, like, I don't think, you know, Grant Morrison understands that these characters, you know, will be around after he's gone, and he's not allowed to break all this shit. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, I don't know, that doesn't, that seems kind of like sour grapes to me, like. Yeah, I think it seemed weird because it's like they, yeah. they tried to sort of contradict everything that he wrote. <laughs> after yeah you know what the, i mean so the, it's like it's kind of funny to me because it's like well yeah like that's what that's the whole i i don't know that's kind of the whole game you I, know I, I, I was about to say i think i think he understood that these characters would be around after he's gone so why not break them now because somebody's going to fix it later so at least i can make it interesting for a minute yeah yeah, yeah. Well, it's not it's not like like and and even though they retconned virtually like all of his run away, it's like it's not like that. The, the retcons were very good. Like the Zorn mess is like yeah. inexcusably sloppy. Like <laughs> well, how they fix yeah, everything. Honestly, it's traditional X Men stuff. It's this convoluted yeah. like craziness of secret brothers and you know like <laughs> like you know crazy diffusion and everything when you know honestly as much as i give morrison crap for blue cupcakes like zorn in his run was just a fucking disguise you know and that was the end of it but yeah. they had to because because somebody's pussy hurt you know maybe claremont's maybe a, whoever <laughs> maybe some fans you know like that the, oh magneto would have never done this it's like he only sank a submarine full of a bunch of guys but he'd never hurt people into genocidal death camps because he was in a genocidal death camp it's like well you know to me i'm like there is that element of people who are abused do repeat abuse. I mean, I'm more of a proponent that, you know, you should stop the cycle, but that doesn't mean that there aren't individuals that can't break the cycle and, and are not nice people, right? So, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I can see either or happening. He's snapped, you know, gone crazy, you know, he's done that. Fool, you still dream of peace with those who would destroy all mutants? Is this your answer? This horror... After all the suffering we both have seen, you wish me to wage war on six billion humans? When I was a child, my people talked while others prepared for war. They used reason while others used tanks, and they were destroyed for their trouble. I won't stand by and watch it happen again. 
I won't! Yeah, you, so. you need but to look at my avatar, and you'll see how I feel about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you're Magneto's tripping balls and being a, a good guy with his little Zen pose and everything. So. <laughs> I, I, I like, well, you know, when I was when I was younger, I enjoyed that aspect of Magneto. Like, I liked the the guy who had a, the, the big M on his chest and was hanging out with the X Men, you know, as you know, sort of a mentor to the New Mutants and all that other stuff. But you know, like I've explained before, you know, the longer I read it and the more serialized I saw the story yet I was kind of like well no matter what he does it can't really make up for I you know I I I remember when I first read Secret Wars I was always like man why is Thor and Captain Marvel and all these guys giving Magneto shit it's just a sub full of Russians you know but now I'm kind (laughs) of like you know what like that was 150 fucking people or whatever you know and he just kind of callously like let them drown I mean that's a horrible fucking way to die like I mean I don't know that's yeah, true. even when he was in charge of Genosha, he wasn't the best fucking leader. You know, people kind of forget yeah. that, too. It's like, oh, well, Benito's cool. It's like, no, he ruled the whole country of mutates, and no, not not really a, a great guy when he did that, either. <laughs> I mean, I guess yeah. it's kind of like Professor X. You know, there's going to be instances where he's he's fondly remembered and, and you know, actually does some cool stuff. You know, even even today, even now, he's kind of right there at Cyclops' side, you know, kind of fighting the yeah. big fight and stuff. So, I mean, you know, it's kind of funny. It's like, and then meanwhile, like, I'm sitting here playing, like, X-Men Destiny, the video game, and he's supposedly the the secret evil bad guy who caused the whole shenanigans of the game in the first place. You know, so it's kind of like Magneto's always kind of flip flop. Well, yeah. To good and evil and 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 all. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. When he's when he's you know. good, that's great. But when he goes batshit crazy, are you really fucking surprised? You know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean? Oh, I sh- I guess I should wrap it up. I just have one more mention. Um, I I really liked the whole like utopia thing. Like up until like after Second Coming and up until like Schism or so. Like I really liked that whole concept of them all stuck on the island. Like, mutant kind was kind of united, and like, you know, under Cyclops, and, like, like I liked, like, Justin, like, I liked Namor and Magneto being part of the team, and, like, I, I really liked all that stuff, and, like, I especially liked, like, during, like, Dark Reign, when, like, the, the Dark Avengers attacked Utopia, and they drove them off and stuff, and I really liked that whole... Like, obviously, because of my Cyclops love. Like, I loved that, those issues where Cyclops um, and Emma Frost, like, go and do the mental, like, uh, like battle against the Void and stuff. And Cyclops yeah, yeah. kind of locks the Void in his own head and stuff like that. I really thought that was, like, an awesome issue. And I guess, what, what was I going to say? Like, from Morrison's run, I like my favorite contribution he made was probably adding Emma Frost to the team because I think she was like a nice like shot of adrenaline to like the team. Like because I feel like every time they tried to do that in previous years, it was like like they'd added like Marrow to the team, and Marrow was a big <laughs> fucking lame-o. So I was like, well, thank God, like Emma Frost isn't a like lame-o or whatever, and she has like the pedigree and she's a good character. So you know, would you, would you agree she was kind of like the Black Arachnia edition is like a character you actually give a shit about. Yeah, like she, yeah, she's kind of like the femme fatale, and you know, you know, I like Jean, but I think like Emma, like I think Emma like fits with Cyclops better. Like I, I don't know, like I think she, she makes him better and he makes her better, and I think it's a lot more of a compelling like relationship. But so are you? Are you kind of grumped out now with everything that like because they're kind of I mean they're kind of on the outs. I mean they're obviously not. 
together anymore, but they're still sort of like on the same team. Like, does that kind of dilute their relationship I'm not, like, for you? Or? I'm not like not not exactly because I I feel like they're still kind of like. Uh, I don't know, like, they don't seem, like, to hate each other or anything, and I think, like, you know, they're still kind of close. Like, Emma seems to, like, be displaying a lot of, like, jealousy when, like, Cyclops, like, you know, interacts with, like, young Jean Grey or whatever, and, you know, like, it's not, like, I I, I don't, I don't know if they're going to get back together, but I don't think, like, I don't think their relationship ended on a, like, very, like, bitter note like i i think the whole like we were taken over by the phoenix force and we did a bunch of regrettable things has been blown out of proportion and you know i think they'll kind of get over it eventually but you know i guess we'll see but well i think i think it's kind of nice that like as bad as emma is scott is good for her because you know he's kind of brought out some good qualities in her just like she's brought out some more hard-ass qualities in him so i yeah i agree with you mike i think it's a much better thing than milk toast gene just being like scott i love you you know yeah i don't know I, just a scene i really like between them is in warren ellis's run on astonishing x-men where uh like it was about i don't know if you guys have ever read uh it, it's that one where there's like they fight that one guy who was like at, his parents were like at hiroshima or something so he 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 was a mutant when he was born, but he was just like a deformed guy, like he didn't have any like special powers or anything. And he like for years and years he made this big like flying fortress and like I don't know. In whatever case, they they have to go to it and um he has the brain like this severed head of some other mutant like powering something and like they find it and they're all like, Oh my god, like this guy is like, you know, still alive and it's just a severed head powering all this shit. So, like, at the end of the arc, they're all escaping from the Flying Fortress, and, like, Cyclops kind of goes to Emma, like, you know, you guys go ahead, there's something, one last thing I have to do, and Emma kind of, like, looks at him and says, you're a good person, and, like, she runs off, and Cyclops, like, runs off to find the severed head, and he, like, mercy kills him, and he's like, you know, I'm sorry, like, we couldn't save you, and then, like, he goes, and I always thought that was a really nice, like, moment between the two of them. <laughs> I thought I thought the way Warren Ellis approached Cyclops in general and Astonishing was the perfect balance. Like, you know how you're always talking about Cyclops walking that tightrope and say Avengers versus X-Men is too far and maybe, you know, I don't know, let's just say Mr. Cyclops is, is the candy ass on the other side of the tightrope <laughs> line or whatever. Yeah. You know, where it's like, we don't kill, we all eat ice cream and Rainbow Sherbert gets shit out of unicorns, you know. What like, would Professor X do? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like, if that's the case, like, I always thought that Warren Ellis had that sort of nailed, where it's like, yeah, you know, I'll go mercy kill this guy, or I'll go stop this U-man from, you know, messing our shit up, but, you know, it's not, like, so extreme that, you know, everybody's like, oh, you're a murderer, and we hate you, and you need to yeah, die. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, yeah. it was just kind of like, everybody was like, wait, I get it. Like, this is totally acceptable and understood, you know? Like, and there wasn't much questioning of his authority or leadership at that point. So I always yeah. appreciated that. Well, I always I always go back to this. I read it in a Wizard comic uh, magazine many years ago, because Wizard doesn't even exist anymore. <clears throat> it, was a, it was a profile done by every X character. I think this was right before Civil War. And it really hit home. It was like, uh, I forgot who it was, who doing the profile. But they went on Cyclops, and to this day, it still rings true. It's like, the last sentence was like, a lot of people don't understand that Cyclops is the Captain America of the, uh, the mutant race. He will do what he has to do, when he has to do it. 
And people should be more scared of that than anything else because he is a patriot and he will guide his race to, like, you know, greater things. And I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the way I've always felt about Cyclops. Like, I, I hate – I really hate when all this, like, when usually in the media, like, I know it was said in, like, the – the uh, press for, like, you know, uh, Wolverine in the X-Men's cartoon or whatever, where it's like, Wolverine, the greatest X-Man of all time. And I'm like, he's not the greatest fucking X-Man of all time, you know? Yeah. But I, I, if anyone is, it's Cyclops. Like, I just, uh, like, yeah, you that, know, for those what reasons I, that's you what just I, said. That's yeah. what I always liked about Earth-X was where, you know, they, they panned to Wolverine, like, 60-odd years later or whatever, and he's just this bald, overweight, out-of-shape <laughs> idiot who's been banging, like, a clone of Madeline Pryor or whatever it is. Like, he's too stupid to even know with his senses that he's, like, fucking the wrong chick and all this other stuff. And in the meantime, like, even though there are a bunch of lame X-Men created by Alex Ross, like, at least Cyclops is, you know, the shepherd of the dream and, and continues to, you know, uh, you know, kind of light the torch of Professor Xavier's dream. And, and even the write-up they give to him is very similar to the write-up that Tony's talking about in Civil War, where they're like, yeah, who else was it going to be? Like, he was the first X-Man, and he's basically the best X-Man, and he's the one who's going to actually put in the effort to to keep that dream alive, you know, no matter what it takes. I, I, I don't want to go any more into it, because I know we still got to talk about, like, favorite characters, and maybe I'll have some more points about Cyclops, but, like, let's let's move on, because I'm all done, like, my just with my favorite story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. I, I just, I'm enjoying talking about different stories as they come up, or what have you, but since I got uh, Justin's Magneto Zen Master staring me in the face... Um, I guess we'll go to Justin and ask him about some of his favorite comic books and storylines from X-Men and, you know, maybe some of his favorite creators and, and what have you. My favorite storyline, we've talked about this before, um, mine would probably be Inferno. I really liked Inferno, and I think I even mentioned this on the show, like, I never had read the complete thing until, like, a year or two ago. Like, I'd always read, like bits and pieces here just for what I could pull, pull together for my, you know, collection or whatever. But, uh, I really like Inferno. And, I, I love Inferno. Inferno uh, is actually my, my number one on my top ten X-Men list that I wrote way back when uh, First Class came out. So if you want to know more of my favorites, you can just go check out that top ten. I also like the era where, like, the, uh, the X-Men, and I think a lot of fans forget this, but like the X-Men lived in Australia for quite a while, and I kind of like that era, and I like that era where it's like you know, you've got Dazzler and Longshot on the team. Like I like that era quite a bit, and I like the art from that era too because you had a lot of like Mark Silvestri and Jim Lee doing artwork, and you know, this is like back when Jim Lee was like really good and not didn't have any control over the story or anything. He was just doing art. This is before Jim Lee was too, too cool for school. This is you know, if he did have control, he would have gave, like, all the X-Men, like, Star Trek colors, like everyone in DC has now. <laughs> um, hey, I was going to ask, did you guys see that, that, I guess, 20th anniversary edition or whatever it was of of uh, X-Men, um, X-Men number one that Jim Lee did where, like, they recolored it and everything? No. It's interesting. Like, it, it, it's weird because they give it all kinds of... Uh, I guess you'd call it you know, 21st century <laughs> coloring, you know, like as opposed to how it was colored back in the day. It's it's 
It's an interesting exercise if you ever like see it. If I guess for somebody who's like super familiar with the issue, you know, that knows it like backward and forward or whatever, where you're like, oh wait, you know, like in this danger room scene, you know, in the original, it was uh, colored all kind of normal, you know, where Wolverine's in his brown costume and Cyclops is in his blue, but uh, I guess the the colored the recolored version it's like the danger room is like on red alert or something so they're all colored kind of with this these red hues and you know it, it seemed like it was just an interesting take on something that had already existed you know make it more dangerous maybe <laughs> yeah. yeah like uh other stories are like i really like everything from like giant size number one up to like when the kitty pride joins like i really like that i like dave cockrum's art and other stuff like Mike kind of like did still a little bit of my thunder because I like a lot of similar stuff you know I've talked about how I like that whole everything that's spun out of Rise and Fall of Shi'ar where you've got you know, Polaris, Havoc and Rachel Summers hanging out in space with the Star Jammers and the Humans and Guardians of the Galaxy like that's a really fun run I like the I like the Utopia stuff too I know this makes Derek grumpy but I like that in Extinction Team um I like all those characters on that team. You know, it, I always like just it's just the fact that you know there's that scene where like you know Cyclops is like, all right, anyone who hasn't been insane or crazy or evil, raise your hand. <laughs> no one can raise their hands. But, I I don't I don't mind the lineup. I just you know there were some things yeah. about that run where I was just kind of like it rubbed me the wrong way. It's actually a pretty impressive lineup of people. It's definitely his his power heavy hitting team. You know, like it's it's a good. If if I was going to go into war, you know, like I, I, that would be a good lineup to have on my side, definitely. But yeah, I just don't like uh, when you start French kissing lobsters and shit. Cause <laughs> there there wouldn't be a don't ask, don't tell policy with uh, with making out with lobsters if if I was Cyclops. So, yeah. but like more more recent stuff from like the past couple of years, like. I, when Bendis was announced to take over X-Men, like, man, I was really afraid because he really shit on Avengers for, like, seven years straight. I was like, oh, man, he's going to, like, ruin this. Because I, I liked where X-Men had been. Like, I quit reading for years, and I didn't really come back until Messiah Complex. Like, that got my attention. And from then on, I was constantly reading and catching up. I was like, oh, man, like, I finally get back into X-Men, and it's good, and he's going to ruin it. But, like, I think he did a really good job, like... All new X Men with like you know the original X Men coming in and you know they're discovering new mutants and that stuff like I like that like, Battle of the Atom I yeah I didn't like that I don't think any of us <laughs> enjoy that at all uh, but I'm I'm curious to see like what he's gonna do with these books now you know it looks like the original X Men are here to stay they've got like funky crazy weird costumes and uh, I think they're gonna like put Jean Grey on trial at the Shi'ar going to come in and they're going to team up with the Guardians so I'm curious as to where all that's going to go but. It, I mean I, I I didn't think I would like it either but I actually do like Bendis' like stuff like it started off kind of funky and now I kind of like I like where it's going like I like I like his uncanny book and I even like like I like their new costumes like if, if they did like a Marvel well not the new X-Men the classic X-Men new costumes but if they did a Marvel Legends like four pack of like Emma Frost, Cyclops, Magneto, and Magic. I'd buy that. Like in their new oh, costumes, oh, and the, yeah. like with the Racer X and the yeah, the, Racer X, Snow Cyclops White and... Magneto outfit or whatever. Yeah, 
And like like uh, you have the avatar of like the I guess the like yeah, dominatrix the, magic yeah. or whatever. Like I like that costume. But. Yeah, I guess I guess for me since I'm I'm a fan of of magic, like I guess I should be like all super happy and everything because he he definitely seems to have taken to magic the way he he likes Spider Woman. You know what I mean? Like she certainly seems to get a lot of the fun snarky lines and gets to teleport people out of harm's way and do all this badass stuff. Although I was kind of sitting there, like I still have that, that super comic nerd in me. That's like, Ileana beat up Dormammu. Like what? Like what the <laughs> yeah. fuck is going on? Like that kind of thing where I like freak out. And then even some of the recent stuff I was reading, you know, when, when they create, you know, like Kitty and, and, uh, Ileana take them out and, and create their new, uh, craptastic original X-Men costumes, you know, those new, I don't know what they are, like Tic Tac costumes or whatever. Like Power Ranger. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what those are, but, but I do not want a Marvel Legends box set of those. I'll tell you that. Um, (laughs) There, there is, you know, they, they, she just kind of, you know, magics them up. And then Beast is having this like bend this long conversation with her about it, where it's like, did you do what exactly? And it's like, it's magic. Did you do what, what, what in this and space time and blah, blah, blah. No, I'm totally being tutored by Stephen Strange. And he's like, oh, so it's magic, you know? And then I was like, isn't that just what she fucking said? Like three <laughs> pages ago. But, but my, the, the thing that surprised me was I was like, since when is she being tutored by like Stephen Strange? Like, when did this happen? Like, and I was like, okay, like it, it just seems like, like there's lots of cool, badass stuff being attributed to her, you know, where I'm finally sort of comfortable. Like, it's not like her and Colossus trying to, murder each other all the time or or i don't know she's not just evil demon bitch that everybody's scared of like she seems a little more like a character which is good but then i'm i'm kind of worried like you know i hope like other characters don't get like sort of shunted off to the side like i honestly i couldn't tell you about any of the new kids like there's the one dude named gold balls like that's all (laughs) i can remember like i can't i can't really i haven't really like latched on or even like identified like I've been reading it for like a year or so and like all these new kids like I I feel like I could give two shits about them and I don't really know who they are what their powers are what they do except for the kid who's named Gold Balls because he's like the freaking bouncing boy of the X-Men or something like he's so fucking stupid that like I can't help but remember him but other than Gold Balls like I cannot fucking remember any of these other new kids to save my life as opposed to uh i'll say like something like wolverine and the x-men as far as recent stuff which is something i thought i would hate because i was like man wolverine's the headmaster and man wolverine 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 like fuck wolverine and all this other stuff but i really really like that book i enjoy all the the kids in it, um, I could tell you who they are. Like, I, I remember Quentin Quire from New X-Men, and they keep developing that character. Like, I remember Edie, the, the black girl with the huge-ass, you know, fro or whatever, and she has all these kind of internal dilemmas with, with killing and not killing and, you know, interesting things. You know, Brew, the little ex-kid with the glasses, and he's a brood, and... You know, like, I, you know, I just, I, you know, Kid Gladiator, the, the Shi'ar chick, whose name I can't remember, but wants to sleep with Iceman, you know, like, I, I think all those characters are, are at least for me, like, I, I feel like maybe, you know, maybe it's unfair, because I've been reading that for, like, two or three years or something like that, but I feel like I know those kids a hell of a lot better than I know 
the kids from Bendis's book right now, you know? So yeah. what about you guys? Like, am, am I the only one who thinks that, or like, are you, or do you know more people than gold balls? Anybody have any favorite ex kids from that new Bendis run or anything? I haven't read them, but I just keep hearing like the name gold balls. I just say like, hi, would you like to hold my gold balls? I'm just wondering. That's all I get because I haven't read them, so I don't know what his power is. So I'm trying to remember which book it is, but like Shark Girl is the one that springs to my mind. But I I don't remember if she's in like Wolverine and the X Men or like all new X Men. She's like, she's been in Wolverine and the X Men, I know, because she eventually goes to the Jean Grey Academy. Wasn't um, was she one of Hope's team or no? She I forgot. She's one of the no, new ones after ABS. It's like it's like they they went and found her. Like she was. I think she was in like South America or something like, and like she was, I remember she was like eating, I don't know. She, you know, she was a shark. So she was eating shit. Like I, I don't remember much more about it than that, but I don't, I don't okay. think it was in Bendis's book. I'm pretty sure. I just remember the Aussie chick with the blue hair. Oh, okay. Who, st- who stops time. I forgot her name though. <laughs> like, did, they, did they call her like time bomb or time something? Oh, uh, Tempest. Okay. I think her name is, yeah. Okay. I think, See, so that's better than me. Like, all I can remember is gold balls. I think part of the problem is, like, Bendis' book hasn't really focused a whole lot on those new kid characters. Yeah, yeah that's like, true. Like, the most recent issue kind of did where, like, Cyclops was kind of putting that one character through the ringer. But, like, Wolverine and the X-Men, they kind of focus on the kids a little bit more. I guess, I guess that's my point. Like, if you have to yeah. refer to them as the one kid, then, like, I feel like, <laughs> yeah. like that part of it, like, you're not doing your job that well. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I, I think, like, if, if you were... And, I mean, it is comics. It is that medium where, you know, Quentin Quire is easy to remember because he's, like, a bald kid with pink hair who has, like, telepathic abilities. And, you know, I mean, you know, some of these kids, they really stand out because it's like, oh, Edie, you know, she's got this big head of hair. And, you know, like, it, basically, if you put her next to, you know, the 20 other characters, it's like you could spot her out in a crowd. You know, whereas, and that's how comics have always been, you know, really colorful characters, like larger than life and stuff. And I, I feel like, you know, I guess some of Bendis's skill is in a lot of this down to earth type stuff. I mean, that's why people always, oh, his dialogue sounds so real. And whether I agree with that or not, you know, like that, that's the kind of mentality and concept. And it seems like those new kids are so down to earth, like they wouldn't stand out in a crowd. You could put all those kids in a crowd, and I'd be like, "Yeah, I don't know where Waldo is, you know, like until he makes gold balls, like giant fucking gold balls." And then I'm like, "Oh wait, there he is. There's the kid. <laughs> There's you <know>? Waldo. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, like that kind of thing." But, um, but yeah, I agree with the. I mean, I, I, I guess I've been enjoying it. I mean, I think it still has the perils of certain certain Bendis stuff, you know, where like certain lines of dialogue could be attributed to basically anybody. What, what do you guys think about Dazzler in those books? Like how Dazzler's kind of like the, I don't know, like in some ways they, you know, some of the mutant characters try to pan her off as like the Uncle Tom of mutants. You know, yeah. like she's, just, she's hanging out with uh, uh, Maria, Maria Hill, Hill. you know, yeah. as her, her mutant liaison. But, you know, to a lot of people, she's just, uh, you know, kind of her lapdog per se. And then, and then, of course, you know, some of the things I was complaining about, which was, you know, Mystique has this whole separate plot and machinations that were going on in Bendis's book without spoiling too much. But in the meantime, if you were reading Wolverine and the X-Men, they sort of open up their own brotherhood type school, which 
I, I don't know if it's counter to her plot in Bendis's book, but it just seemed like, wait, Mystique is here disguised as this person, but she's also a headmistress at this other school, like hang out, hanging out with like Sauron, you know, Professor Sauron and Professor Sabretooth and, and Kilgore and all these other people, you know, so I, I thought that was kind of interesting as well. Yeah. I, I mean, I like Dazzler. She's, you know, we did this top 10 list on bot talk where we talked about our favorite x-men she was one of my top 10 like i've always liked her i think it's really interesting that they wanted to make her like a liaison with shield i was like oh that's really cool that's gonna you know put her at odds with both schools like this is gonna be interesting and then i kind of feel like they kind of like undid that when it's like mystique is now you know took her place like we don't yeah, know yeah, if yeah. there's a live or dead but you know they're kind of still treating the character you know like you said like she's kind of a Traitor, she's hanging out with Shield and stuff. Well, I mean, the thing about it is, like, even in the old books, like, even in her own book, <clears throat> the whole concept of Dazzler was she was a mutant. She had these, like, you know, light-based powers, <clears throat> but she wanted to be a superstar. She wanted to be a singer. She wanted, like, you know, have a normal life. So why would why would it come off? Of, I mean, I know, I haven't read the the current books, but why would that be like so startling? Is like she doesn't want to be a human, but she wants to live a normal life, and that's really fucking hard to do as an X-Man, so, I mean... I just think... think Oh, oh, she's a traitor! (laughs) Well, I think it's that natural aversion to authority that seems to be in vogue as of, like, right now. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just just seems like she signed up, you know, from their perspective, you know, she signed up with, quote-unquote, the man. Do you know what I mean? As opposed to you know, either, you know, if she was with Cyclops or if she was with Wolverine, you know, whichever side it was, that that would not be construed as, quote-unquote, the man. Do you know what I mean? Whereas, as in this case, it's like, oh, well, basically Maria Hill is, you know, the woman, and, you know, like, she's she's the top shield person, and you're basically at her beck and call. Like, yeah. I, the thing that cracks me up is I'm kind of wondering, like, what does Maria Hill think Dazzler is going to do exactly? Like, in terms of even before she was taken over by Mystique. Like, like it, basically, she knows all those people, so she's supposed to smooth over these things. But invariably, whether it's Battle of the Atom or, you know, these regular ongoing books like All New X-Men or Uncanny or Wolverine and the X-Men or what have you, you know, shit goes down, so she doesn't really get a chance to liaise as much as it is, like, play cleanup, you know? It's like some shit goes down, all these Sentinels attack, and then it's like, oh, now we're going to come to the school and, you know, have this conversation and and whip out our, our metaphorical, you know, dicks and have a pissing contest between Maria Hill and, and Wolverine or whatever, you know. So. And the, the funny thing is, like, when Dazzler was a part of the team, in all honesty, in the comics, the only person, the only people she really knew that are on the team right now are, like, Wolverine and Colossus. She wasn't, like, buddies with Cyclops. She wasn't, like, you know... Well, friends. but she was she was around when Cyclops was leaving. <laughs> like, especially when she first showed up in the X-Men. Like, so... I mean, it's not like she doesn't know who Cyclops is. Gene, uh, let me introduce you to... to Dazzler. Who's that? The inevitable girlfriend? You know, and she was she was definitely there on Utopia as well. So I think you know beyond all that, you know there there's there's instances where there's a lot more history between her and all those characters. But yeah, I, I like, just kind of like wish I wish she, yeah, yeah. I wish they actually had her liaise rather than sort of play cleanup. You know whether it was her or Mystique. You know. Yeah. You no, know, I I really hate the way Bendis writes Maria Hill because. 
that latest issue where she's talking down to Dazzler so hard, I'm like, man, he just really writes that character so, like, hatefully. But if you read that character in, like, Secret Avengers or, you know, Indestructible Hulk or anywhere else, she's, like, a competent, you know, reasonable character. It's like she may have, you know, something that you don't agree with, but it, it makes sense. Whereas Ben, she's just like, you know, oh, no, I'm going to do this, and you're a moron, so you can just kind of, like, side her. It, it feels a little awkward too because you you're you're wondering like I know there's a disdain for for maybe pop stars or or you know larger than life celebrities in society you know it's easy to say oh like look at Britney Spears what a dumb fuck or look at Kim Kardashian like what a crazy bitch or you know like that kind of sort of talk down to type thing so it's like I guess I could see it in that sense where it's like if you had hired Britney Spears to be your liaison to the mutant race and then you kind of like, you know, and it's like this weird instance where it's like, you know, my name's Agent, you know, uh, Agent Spears. And you're like, shut up, Britney. Come on. You know, like and I could see it in that way. That's supposed to be like, ha ha funny. But then like because you're dealing with this like analogy of like, you know, race relations and all these kind of other things that, you know, X-Men and mutants imply, like, it it's also paints this weird picture of, like, kind of like what Justin's saying, where you feel a little weird. Like, it's like, you know, imagine if Maria Hill was doing that, you know, with, with some other ethnicity, and you just kind of went, you know, like, I know for me, if it was, like, a Native American guy, and then, you know, he was liaisoning with all these other tribes, and then at the end of it, you know, it's a, it's a Western you know, and Maria Hill's, like, got a cowboy hat, and she's walking away with, uh, you know, her, her dazzler Native American character, and then she's like, oh, come on, Tana, let's fucking get out of here. And then you're just like, well, that's that's a little, you know, kind of derogatory in some ways, too, you know? So, I don't well, know. Well, well, to be fair, though, Kim Kardashian, as big as her ass is, cannot cause seismic shockwaves by slapping her butt cheeks together, so. Right, right. Yeah. Dazzler can at least fire photon blasts. <laughs> so, you, you, is there is there anything like from the the past X Men era or maybe side X Men series you wanted to go into, Justin? Or you feel you feel pretty good with uh, the the sort of favorite stories you mentioned up to this point? Um, I think we also talked about this, but I always like those kind of remakes of like you know Professor Xavier and X Men, where you have like. New updated kind of take on like those classic you know, X Men stories, like from you know, X Men One all the way to like X Men you know, Twenty Five or whatever. Um, I like that area. I like the, you know the OG X Men. I know. You know oh, like the little, the little, first class. Yeah, that's a good series. One yeah, first um, class like bat like the original like Children of the Atom miniseries things yeah. like that. You know, I know like. You know, stupid little kids will tell you like, "Oh, I can't read those old comics." Um, like, I always, I always kind of get grumpy. Like, I know, I know some people like say like, "Oh, I think the original five are boring," but it's like, I, I would use this podcast as my opportunity to, you know, trumpet the horn because I, I love the original five. I mean, I've loved them since I was reading X Factor on a regular basis. Like, I, I actually enjoyed. You know, I know the, the Sylvestri Claremont era was brought up as, you know, uh, some things that you were talking about. But I actually preferred reading, you know, the Louise Simonson, you know, Walt Simonson X Factor to, yeah, to uh, you know, to, to that Sylvester book, you know, because I did like having somebody who I thought was kind of a, 
a more sound tactical leader. You know what I mean? It was like, I, I, I got, like, they had a plan. They were going to disguise themselves as mutant hunters, and then they're going to recruit mutants. And, yeah, that's a little shady, but at least to me, I was like, oh, they've got a clear-cut plan, and, yeah, they were fooled by Cameron Hodge, and all this stuff went down. But then after that, it was like, it was kind of really nice, because, you know, you had that instance after Fall of the Mutants where... You know, they, they were actually accepted. Like, they were kind of heroes in New York City for saving them from Apocalypse, and they got to hang out in parades and shit, and everybody was like, yay, Cyclops. Kind of like, in some ways, in, in a weird, perverse way, how Cyclops is now, like, where they go to all those, like, mutant, pro-mutant rallies, and everybody's like, you're the man, dude, or whatever. So, I, I mean, there's there's something in that acceptance, you know, where you, you, you kind of feel good for for them. I mean, I guess they can't do it too much, because it would take away from, from their, you know, dramatic plight, or what have you, but I, I like seeing them have some some tint of victory in, in their relations, you know? I, I think this is the first time we, we're going to have this on the uh, Fan Holes podcast, and if Mike, if you would like to jump in, that's fine, but right now, Derek, Justin, me... Triple Secret Brothers for the original five. <laughs> yeah, I like the original five. Oh, Quadruple Secret Brothers. <laughs> My God, we all agree on something. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, I like reading those those original like because I, I I guess kind of like I like the original team of Avengers. I guess I kind of get that from having read like all those Marvel masterworks back in the day. So that's kind of why I like reading you know, like the original five, because I had that first masterwork that had like the first 10 issues and they would fight, you know, the blob and Unis and, you know, different guys like that. And then e- even before they came out with like the second masterwork, like I wanted to keep reading more issues. So like I bought like the issues with like Juggernaut and, you know, Iceman fighting against Magneto and all that stuff. And they didn't even have a masterwork out. Like I was just buying the, <laughs> The, the, you know, sometimes they'd be, like, really beat-up issues. Like, I remember the, the Iceman issue, number 18, it was like the cover was taped together, and it was, like, you know, pretty atrocious. But I didn't care about that. I just wanted to read the, the books and stuff. But, although I know, you know, obviously that wasn't a quote-unquote popular run of X-Men, and eventually it went into reprints and led to their cancellation. But, I mean, there, there's lots of good things to mention about that era of the original five, like the Neil Adams stuff. Like I know, I know the first class was kind of ragged on and I haven't read that, but I like those. uh, It's not really classic X-Men, but they're reprinted in a book called X-Men classics. And, you know, I'd trumpet those as, as some really great issues. It's like, I think it's like from like issue like 50, 55 to like, somewhere in the 60s or whatever. Like, not all of them are Neil Adams, but it's kind of like that that second batch of costumes they get, you know, where Cyclops gets the costume he pretty much wears, you know, all the way through the the Claremont, Cochran, Byrne, you know. Uh, uh, oh, is that like the, the stripe, the X? Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to mention, you mentioned Unis, the untouchable. I don't know, I have a joke. <laughs> I have a joke. It seems like whenever I read him in any comic, he dies. Like, I I read, like, you know, there's that, I think it's like that spectacular Spider-Man issue where the blob goes on a rampage because he, like, finds Unis, and Unis can't shut off his force field, so he, like, suffocates, and then the blob goes on a rampage. So, like, I have that, and I was like, uh, I was like, who's this Unis guy? I don't think I've ever read anything with him in it. And I was like, oh, he's an old X-Men villain. And then, like, the next time I read him was, like, in Son of M, where he also dies. Like, 
Quicksilver get, gives him like Terrigen crystals and his power goes out of control and I think he suffocates there too. So that's funny. Man, he's that's... like he's like the Kenny of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants for a year or something. If it helps, in Age of Apocalypse, his first appearance in the first like I think Amazing X Men or Astonishing X Men. Yeah, he dies again. <laughs> There's a lot of like wonky X villains from that era, like the Plant Man. Like, he fought the X-Men, and I was reading, like, early issues of Namor from the 60s today. Like, the first, like, no, wait a minute. It's, like, issue two and three. It's, like, the plant man gives Namor and Triton from the Inhumans, like, such a hard time with, like, weird, like, you know, kind of, like, poison ivy plants. I'm, like, really? The plant man is giving Namor and Triton, like, such a hard time? Like, come on. <laughs> You're a lame X-Men villain. <laughs> and, like, he just walks in and, like, trips over a rock and dies. <laughs> hey, well... Lame X Men villains go on to be like like major characters in Thunderbolts, like Plant Man and Ogre and. Like... I, I was just about to say, Derek, did that make you like incredibly happy when like Ogre showed up in Thunderbolts? He was like Factor Three and all this like old X Men yes. stuff. Yeah, but like also like you talk about like old guys like showing up and being boss too. Like even the Vanisher being in Chris Yost's, um X-Force, right? Oh, yeah. You know, like, yeah. there's there's lots of love for, like, old school guys, or even even the Vanisher, you know, hanging out with, like, I think he hung out with, like, the Beyonder and some of those Secret War issues and stuff like that. You know, I was always kind of, you know, oh, yeah, it's, it's the, the, this is what happened to the Vanisher. I mean, I know, I know, like, you know, probably of that era, you know, the two most remembered villains would probably be, you know, Magneto and Juggernaut, but I mean, you know, I still liked, you know, that's where you're kind of like, oh, you know, I guess coming to it from from a weird outside perspective, you know, you're like, oh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch were bad guys first? What? You know, like, I, I remember thinking that when I first read those issues in the Masterworks, because I was kind of yeah. used to them by that point, being in the West Coast Avengers and being good guys and not completely you know, making that connection straight up front or whatever. And then the other thing I just wanted to mention about the, the I guess, the original X-Men, you know, kind of trumpeting my original X-Men love. Throughout that whole period where Claremont was revisiting the X-Men and pissing away his good name and doing the Neo, and, you know, there, there were all, basically the period where, you know, Mike was saying, you know, the X-Men was very... Uh, you know, tired or, you know, needed a jolt or something like that. The only X-Men book I was reading was X-Men The Hidden Years because yeah. it was the original X-Men and it was John Byrne and he was basically trying to fill in the gap between, you know, the, those kind of Neil Adams issues I mentioned and Giant Size Number 1 because so many of those issues were reprints. And I guess his original goal was, you know, wherever they left off, like 63 or 64, you know, he was going to try and do at least an issue for every issue that was missed up until 94. Of course, the book was canceled before then because, you know, I guess the majority of people don't care about the original X-Men, or at least at the time they didn't sell as well as some of those other books, even though they were craptacular. Um, but, you know, hey, like, I, I think if I had had more time or had a top 20 list, I think, like, a lot of those comics, you know, like the Hidden Years and, you know, more X-Factor stuff, you know, things like that would have found their way into my kind of favorites or what have you. I didn't read it, so I can't say anything, but if it's got the original five, it's got to be pretty good, by Byrne especially. So. Yeah, yeah, it was fun stuff. I mean, it was good. What about you, Tony? Like, we haven't talked to you yet about some of, like, your favorite errors and different things with, with X-Men. 
Um, yeah, because I've been so quiet this whole podcast. Uh, <laughs> I will, I will kind of take you on a trip right now because I'm going to do three different eras that were very interesting to me. Uh, the first was the Silvestri Claremont era in the late '80s, early '90s. Um, <clears throat> at some point, the uh, X-Men got yanked through the Siege Perilous by Roma, a uh, other dimensional goddess, and they got thrown into the outback. Uh, during this time, they were considered dead to all kinds of electronic and video surveillance, so they could kind of go about their way. Um, this had well, really but most people thought the X-Men were dead after fall. Yeah, yeah exactly, that, that as well. I mean, they, they pretty much had gone away. Um, a really fun lineup. Uh, you had, like, Havoc and Psylocke. Dazzler, which Dazzler was really great in that. Uh, Sylvester did some really great art. Um, they introduced Gateway, who is come back and forth, depending on the storyline, to be a kind of important character. He's kind of a Wolverine character now whenever he does show up. Um, but it was it was really fun. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, that leads up into my uh, next one, which would be... The Age of Apocalypse, because kind of shit went really bad in Inferno, and like the X Men kind of turned bad in some ways. And Age of Apocalypse did that, where Scott Summers, Havoc, uh, you know, a lot of these characters are bad guys now. And a lot of people say like, "Oh, that's '90s bullshit." And if you read them, like Factor X is really good. Uh, Gamut Externals, no, whatever. It's just you know, <laughs> yeah, not that, not that great. Yeah, but, I, I may, I may, I may uh, crap on '90s comics a lot, but I, I enjoyed reading Age of Apocalypse. I mean, I like, I like things, especially like, I mean, I know this might, uh, you know, call me out of my closet '90s love or whatever, but I, I like X Man. Like, I mean, I enjoyed reading him. Nate Gray is a great character. Yeah, yeah. So, like, there's, there's some good stuff that, uh, that was in that crossover. Yeah, in case you didn't know, uh, listeners, uh, Nate Gray. Is, is Cable, but he's not fucked up by, like, the whole trans mode virus. He's uh, pretty much a clone. Uh, he's like he's like the pretty doctor of Cable's. Yeah. <laughs> he's made from uh, Jean Grey. If they made, if they made a series about, about Nate Grey, then all the girls would watch it. And, <laughs> you know, he's a handsome all hip stuff. There was a very brief time when him and Peter Parker were bros. Yeah, they were totally bros. It was like he was learning from Peter with great power comes great responsibility, and there was all this awful Terry Kavanaugh 90s crap dialogue, but I still <laughs> like it. <laughs> yeah, so. But, it, but it, was, it was still really fun. It was, it was really uh, great seeing uh, Brian Braddock be an ass. Uh, it was great seeing... Uh, Wolverine finally get to nail Jean Grey. This is like before the Ultimate Universe, so he actually, you know, got his little redhead chick and stuff. Uh, he dies horribly, but it's okay. Oh, by the way, he dies horribly. Uh, Tony, I'm just curious. I know, I know, you're delving into like some of your joy in the Age of Apocalypse, uh, and I don't mean to take it down a negative road or anything, but I'm just curious. Have you read any of the follow-ups that they've made? to Age of Apocalypse since then, since it was such a popular story? Oh, fuck no. Um, not going you to. Probably, yeah, yeah, okay, they don't, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've heard many bad things, and I'd rather leave that, like, my untainted little goodness there, you know. Nice. All right. Um, I, will, I will give Derek a little bit of uh, credit, because he, he is like me. Probably one of the greatest things out of the Age of Apocalypse, just for visuals, is Sunfire's reimagining and his, like, re- Design that—that's a great design for Sunfire. 
Yeah, that is a fun redesign. I like that redesign. Yeah, yeah I like that costume. Yeah, and uh, also we get Blink, who turned up in... Uh, did she come up in Generation X? Or Exiles. Exiles, Exiles. She was in Exiles. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of her, she's showing up in Days of the Future Past, which is in theaters right now. Right now, in the future. In the future. Future. <laughs> See, I, I could be, like, pertinent. I could actually bring up something that's actually, you know, worthwhile. Um, <laughs> yeah. My uh, final one is probably something that's going to surprise people, but I think Mike will be on board with this. I think everybody else will be, too, because this is a really good series. Um, when Peter David came back to X Factor, when it restarted, as kind of a crime, like criminal show with uh, Jamie Madrox as the leader. Uh, yeah, that that's. Uh, I, I I enjoy Peter David stuff mostly. I read that for a really long time, and and all I'll say about that is I, I read that right up into the point where where uh, Richter and Shatterstar started making out. Exactly, and, exactly. And it, it wasn't that Richter and Shatterstar were making out that turned me off to it. It was the fact that Richter had knocked up Rain Sinclair with his child, and Rain Sinclair, who was pregnant, walked in on Richter and Shatterstar making out. Yeah, and and yeah. I, I never read it after that. But, I mean, I guess I could go back and read the rest of it or whatever, but that was... Um. That was that was above the the that was right around the Derek Lobster kissing meter. Like where I, <laughs> I, 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 I got about fifteen issues into it. So I don't think I got that far. Don't feel bad. But the first fifteen or so issues, it was really good crime. I, the thing I liked the most about it is is it took characters like like Jamie Madrox, who's the multiple man, and he was really going to fucking shit about the fact that he had all these clones running around doing shit, and he's like, oh my god, I can't keep track of my damn clones. I've got guys doing shit I don't even know about. And he's, like, realizing that his power is a little bit more impressive than he even thought. And then Richter, before he, like, went all homo-gay, which is fine. He can be homo-gay, but, you know, don't <laughs> don't bang another dude when he gets up. I hear that's the scientific term for it. It's the scientific okay. term. Homo-gay. No, I, I'm fine with, with whatever direction they want to take the characters. It's don't, just, don't I, I, just I thought it was awkward that he had already knocked up the girl, and she was like, yeah, yeah. you know, I felt bad for Rain because it seemed like she had been through enough stuff, and then they kind of like throw this on her where it's like, it's like, oh, hey, Richter, you know, I got your baby, and then she like walks in and it's like, oh, and you're you're making out with the guy who's got shit logs on his on his face or whatever, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, in all honesty, it's not it's it's not about the moral choice. I don't care if people are gay or not. It'd been the same if like Richter was banging like M, you know, it's like. Oh hey, what's up? I'm yeah, fucking another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And that, that's how I kind of viewed it. Not so much like I didn't care what they were doing per se. It's like if he was like making out with some other girl and Rain walked in, I'd be just as kind of like, oh god, like you know, because it's like you're like I don't know. I felt bad for the girl. So. Yeah, you're kind of you're yeah. kind of a shitty person, you know. <laughs> you kind of you kind of suck. But we did we did get uh, other characters. Uh, we had M, who is explained more after her Generation X run. Uh, she was a really complex character. She's kind of fucked up in the head. Um, we had Layla, who... I don't know what the fuck happened to her. Uh, she went away, apparently. She knows things, Tony. She <laughs> knows, knows things. things. And she likes to skateboard. Uh, <laughs> but no, it, it was a really fun comic, though. And I, I again, like the art, I forgot who... Was it Was it Carlos Pacheco? Was it? I'm not sure. I think there were probably multiple artists. Oh, yeah, yeah, but I think for the first few issues, I think it was Carlos Pacheco. I'm not sure. 
but it was it was a really fun comic. I really enjoy Peter David's uh, take on X Factor. It didn't make my honorable missions, but I did like his first run in X Factor when they were doing uh, Havoc and uh, Polaris and Strong Guy. Strong Guy was a good character for once, so who the fuck knew? Um, and then for my honorable mention, uh, this is one that'll make Derek smile. I really did enjoy the Inferno crossover. It was a really good crossover. It was fun. Um, you saw different sides of people. The X-Factor team got to play a big part. The X-Men looked kind of shitty, and Wolverine looked kind of shitty because they looked like fucking noobs. And it wasn't because they were noobs. It was because they had kind of a they had a team that was like not ready for that kind of big, bad demon thing. They were ready for Magneto. They were ready for like fucking Juggernaut. But they weren't ready for people who would fuck with their minds when they were a team that had such easy minds to fuck with, you know? Like, Goblin Queen was like, Hey, Havoc, you, like, hate your brother. I want to fuck you. How do you like that? That is so awesome. Yeah, I think that, I, I think that was perfect for, like, my age range, because it was like, I was just getting into my teenage years, and it's just like, Goblin Queen? I was like, hello, how are you? <laughs> nice to meet I you. Was, I, I was going to say, like, I really like that moment in Inferno where... Like, everyone's fighting over, and everyone's, like, being really petty and shit. And, like, Jean Grey and Storm just kind of hug, and they're like, yeah, you know, they're I like, thought you were dead, and I thought you were dead, you know? It's great to see you. You, you, know? you are my good and trusted friend. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, Wolverine and Archangel are like, I remember that classic X-Men backup, you asshole. Well, now I have fucking <laughs> blades, too. Yeah. I got sharp shit, too, motherfucker. <laughs> But but it it was fun. It was it was a good like little uh, series. And uh, again, like I said, X Factor came out really well off that. Uh, again, Archangel, even though he went through some shit, you know, uh, he came out as Archangel out of that. Uh, even B said it. That was the greatest thing. Is like Hank McCoy, one of his best friends from the old team. He was like, you know, he's like, I've done so much, so many ba- bad things, Hank. I like got turned by Apocalypse. I've killed people, and he's like. Yeah, but you helped save the day. You're not a fucking angel of death. You're the fucking archangel. And it's like, dude, little small moments like that is what makes a comic really good. So I, I really enjoyed Inferno. You know, it was like the bad guys got their ass kicked eventually. It took a while, but you also got to see a lot of flaws in your favorite X-Men characters, which, goddammit, Wolverine, that's what we need more. Flaws. Flaws are fun. When you see flaws and you can beat them, that's good. Not when you're just like, I'm going to stab you, Proteus. So, yeah, those are uh, my three favorites and my honorable mention. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, I, I feel like I kind of interjected into the conversation what some of my honorable mentions and favorites were as we went. So I guess we'll keep going down the uh, topic discussion list, and we'll go into favorite X-Men characters. Wolverine. Cool guy. Everybody's favorite, Wolverine. Favorite X-Men. Look, I've been going over your file, and I've made the decision to fire you because you are worthless. Um, I think I will start on the opposite side of my Skype screen. I'm looking at you, Justin Barber. So I'm going to ask, who is your favorite X-Man? And, and you are more than welcome to list a laundry list of honorable mentions, so Mike has nothing to choose from by the time you're done. <laughs> All right, starting at number 275. <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's only 198 mutants left. Can no, I, can I, I guess, I guess that's not true anymore. But, yeah. I'll just start with my favorite, and my favorite is, as I mentioned earlier, my avatar right now is Magneto. 
He's my favorite X character, X-Man. Don't even try and argue that he's not an X-Man. He's been an X-Man for years now. He was an X-Man in the past. Um, he's my favorite character. And, um, I think what drew, drew me to him as a kid was like kind of like what Derek mentioned. So how do I put this? He's like the opposite side of you know Xavier and Cyclops. Like he will do anything, even if it's you know reversing the magnetic pole of the Earth or uh, if, if it's morally ambiguous. Yeah, you know he'll he'll sink a Russian submarine. Like he doesn't care. Like he, he wants the mutant race to survive. That's his goal. He'll even go bare armed in a snow white <laughs> skin tight outfit. I, I really don't like that new. <laughs> I really don't like it. <laughs> it doesn't like. Love you, Max, but uh, calm down the bare arms a little bit, please. Thank you. So, what do you what do you think of the whole? I know you you actually were you know praising some of Bendis' stuff. What do you think of Bendis' handling of Magneto and some of the recent stuff? As he's your favorite character, like, do you like all the weird double agent double play? You know, double dealer, double spy, whatever is going on with Magneto, or like, how do you feel about that? I'm still trying to figure out exactly like what's going on. Like, you know, Magneto kind of like told Cyclops, he's like, you know, I'm doing this for us. Like, we need an end with like these shit. Right. Cyclops is like, no, you're going to betray us, and you know, Magneto's like, no, it's cool. Like, you know, I'm taking care of it. But I kind of like. I kind of wonder if that's not like a backdoor for like Magneto to go back to being evil or, or whatever. But I'm still kind of like on the fence about that. But like, I just like the fact that you know Magneto always struggled a little with like his view of good and evil, and that's what always drew to me to him as a kid. Because like when I was a kid, I was like, you know what? If I was a mutant, I wouldn't be like hanging out with the X Men. Like I would be with Magneto. Like I, I guess that would be public would view me as like another like you know member of the brotherhood of evil mutants or like a terrorist or whatever but like i i was like sympathized more with like what magneto was doing at least as a kid hey as, long, like, as long as you're not toad you're you're doing all right <laughs> i was about to say dustin just don't pick the the code name eunice the untouchable you'll be fine <laughs> well it's weird though i guess it depends on like who you are actually because I, I said don't pick toad and you'll be fine but like i always think of like you know kind of like how professor x back in like the early 40s and 50s issues like it's like oh professor xavier's a jerk he's like you know stop doing this get out of my mind and he's all like mad the whole time and it's like i'm going to the casino to wipe everybody's mind and take money <laughs> for the academy or whatever <laughs> professor xavier was off doing like he was always doing like something kind of kind of dickish like i'm going to pretend i'm dead you know because it's like you know and teach you all a lesson you know and stuff like that and you're like what what's going on professor hey but you horrible helmet come here my name's changed like whatever horrible helmet come here <laughs> Come here. Um, but, like, Magneto kind of, I always felt, was, like, the same way. Because, like, there's that weird period where Magneto actually, like, loses his powers. And he's got that funky mechanical apparatus he had when he was fighting, like, the Fantastic Four. And, like, people forget this. But, like, he's the one who created all those weird, freaky guys in the Savage Land. Like, most of those, like, weird mutates and stuff. Like, I know he sort of has to give recompense for that, like, especially in some of the good Claremont Jim Lee issues, you know, that probably this might be something that's a favorite of yours where he, he hangs out with Rogue, you know, and like, what is it, like 274, 275, like, that's some really good, um, 
good stories there, I thought. But, yeah. um, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always kind of interested in, like, you know, how people reconcile, like, oh, Magneto was a jerk back then or whatever, like, certainly. So. Well, you know, to be fair, when he made the mutates, he was bored. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like why I like Namor. Like, Magneto and Namor both have, like, that kind of, like, instability. Like, you never know exactly, like, where they're going to fall, like, you know, where their morals are going to be. It's like, you know, Namor might be like, Namor may want to, like, invade New York with his army of Atlanteans, like, one week, and then the next week he's going to team up with the Defenders and, like, you know, beat some Cthulhu monster or something. Magneto's kind of the same way. It's like, you know, one week he may work with the X-Men to stop them, or, you know, I mean, like, stop something from going on, and the next week he's going to, like, take over Ape Citadel with, you know, uh, missiles or whatever, but, like, I... I always liked that, and the needle's been jerked around a lot. I mean, he was like reverted to like a child. Yeah, like, yeah. And yeah. he had his powers taken. He was uh, replaced with Joseph clone. Like I kind of suffered <laughs> through that. Um, he's been like, we all all did. like you know, like Namor. Like he's just been like all over the place by different writers. Like he's always been jerked around. Like I always liked that about Namor and Magneto. It's just like they're very unpredictable, morally ambiguous. Like, I always like that. Well, and, uh, well, Justin, would you say that uh, uh, Magnus, Eric Lynchier, or whatever, has been a better friend to Charles than Charles has been to Magnus? Um, I don't know about that. I know it's kind of murky, yeah. I mean, it really is. I, I always liked those issues that were, like, flashbacks to, like, their days when they were buddies. Like, whether they were, like, you know, tracking down, you know, Nazis and, like, stealing their gold or whatever they were doing. Like, I, like any issue that was, like, it's a flashback to, like, their younger days when they were friends, like, before they were falling out. Like, I always enjoyed stuff like that. You mean you mean when uh, Warren and Sabretooth inspired them to go have adventures? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously. Oh, my God. It never happened. <laughs> well, I reached that for my well, I, um, I, It never happened. I agree with Justin, though, because, like, it, I mean, again, like I said, one of my favorite things is Age of Apocalypse, and the fact that Charles Xavier died, Magneto took a totally different route. You know, he was like, "Oh shit, my best friend died. I want to do the right thing." And like, he's very mercurial. You know, he has that kind of that mindset. Like, you know, certain things can set him off. And I think I think that's his like his greatest character strength because you never know what's going to set him off to do the right thing. But at the same time, you never know what's going to set him off to do the wrong thing. So I think that's why he's so interesting to like, you know, people who like to read his character. I, I love Magneto in the Age of Apocalypse. I thought he was really fun in that. You know, him and Rogue were, uh, you know, had a family and everything. And I thought that was kind of a neat exploration of that idea. You know, it, it's like it's interesting because some of those things aren't things <clears throat> like Gene and Wolverine being in a relationship that you'd actually want explored in the real comics. <clears throat> but <laughs> seeing it in like an alternate reality is, is a fun exploration of that. Um, and I think seeing them, you know, Rogue and Magneto explore that, that relationship was fun. And then also just seeing Magneto be a total badass in his final fight with Apocalypse. I mean, that was really great. So Yeah, what are you doing? I'm concentrating. Rip. <laughs> I'll say one final thing about Magneto, and then I'll, like, move on to, like, a few honorable mentions. But, like, you know, 
Rogue and Gambit don't belong together. Magneto and Rogue belong together. That's my final <laughs> say-so. Hey, uh, would you agree one of the greatest things about Age of Apocalypse is uh, Magneto cock-blocking like fucking Gambit like a motherfucker? Yeah, I like that. I mean, I, I don't hate Gambit or anything. Like, he's an okay character, but I was never, like, crazy about him. Like, I can remember... You know, when the animated series was big, like, you know, all the kids were running around pretending they were throwing playing cards. But I was like, I was like pretending to be Magneto or Morph. Like, I always like Morph. Um, Jesse was trying so hard to lift this fork with his mind. It was so, it was sad, but it was really impressive. He was trying, damn it. He wasn't just throwing cards, damn it. This yeah. fork, it was magnetized. <laughs> But, uh, like, some other, like, honorable mentions, you know, I already mentioned Dazzler, and I think my appreciation for her comes from watching a lot of, like, Gem and the Holograms as a kid. Like, I thought she was kind of, like, a similar character, just, you know, she was a mutant instead of a crazy hologram pop singer or whatever. Maybe a little um, really outrageous? Yeah, a little bit. Just, <laughs> just a little bit. Um, another character, I've mentioned him before, like, Banshee. I always liked Banshee. Um... You know, you guys have already mentioned like his horrible death and you know, deadly genesis, which is a lame way to die. But I'm I'm kind of hopeful like he's gonna come back to the land of the living really for reals in Uncanny Avengers. Like at, at least that's my little like sliver of hope I'm like trying to hold on to. It's weird because after seeing him come back in that chaos thing, like. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, that was kind of a nice resurrection, but this is more of a, like, fuck you and die resurrection, you know? Like, you know, he's definitely, you know, uh, uh, a bad force in that uh, Uncanny Avengers thing. I will I will say this, as much as I like Deadpool, Banshee greater than Siren. Sorry. Sorry, Teresa. I also like uh, Kitty Pride and uh, Rachel Gray quite a bit, or Rachel Summers, whatever she's calling herself. Like, I like those two characters. Like, I was really glad when Rachel came back from space, and, like, I was like, well, I was afraid she was just going to get shunted away, kind of like Warpath did. Like, I like Warpath a lot. But thankfully, you know, she's been hanging out at the, uh, you know, Wolverine's school or whatever, and she's had a lot of face time. Like, I, I like Rachel quite a bit, and Kitty Pride too. So that's it for my own mentions. Cool, cool, cool. That's awesome. Um, so I'm moving down the Skype in a reverse manner, and I'm seeing a uh, angry, hairy guy with a stogie from a What the Comic uh, <laughs> saying, ha ha, missed me pulverizer. And that's uh, Mr. Tony Jackson with, uh, I think, what is that, What the Issue number six? I don't know what that's Yeah, called. I think so, yeah, yeah. Or yeah, yeah, so. Pulverizer, so, yeah. Yeah, so uh, why don't you regale us with some of your favorite X-Men characters? Um, I probably do. I have a couple honorable mentions because it's such a big team. You can't just have one. Um, Mike is going to hate me right now because we're going to Secret Brothers this all to hell, but uh, Cyclops is my favorite X-Men character. Uh, in a nutshell, Scott Summers is is really fucking cool, and he gets a lot of shit for no fucking reason. And that's the thing that pissed me off the most is, like, how is a guy who works out every day and can shoot laser beams, well, not laser beams, concussive force blasts from his eyes, a bad character? And he's been through the shit. He's had a clone wife who turned out to be a demon queen. He's had a baby that he had to shunt to the future who came back as, like, Clint Eastwood with a robot arm. I mean, dude, he's been through some hell. And people still think, like, Cyclops is lame. 
no, fuck that. Uh, Cyclops is pretty badass, and he's always going to be, like, my favorite character. I just, I love the look, I love the character, I love the backstory. He is mutant's last great hope, you know. The last best hope. He is Babylon Cyclops. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, really. Uh, my, my, my top three honorable mentions are going to be really quick. One is Juggernaut. He's not a mutant. Yeah, I know, but he's a mutant enemy, and I love, I love fucking Juggernaut. Uh, I didn't like but him. He, so much. But he was, he was also leader of the Exiles, and he yeah. was also in Excalibur. So we could also <laughs> say he was a good guy X Men for a little while as well when he yeah. was uh, busy banging She Hulk or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was a good guy. That's why he gets, he gets a mention because you, know, he was part of the X teams proper. I mean, he he wasn't just a bad guy, and that's that's why I throw him on here because I got the chance. Um. Kane Marco is, uh, he's a dick sometimes. He's kind of stupid, but I feel bad for the guy because his brother is, you know, brother-in-law is Professor X. And, wow, that's a lot to live up to, especially when, like, your brother-in-law has the reputation of being, like, really smart and psychic power, and your power is being really big and you can't move me. You know, you get a little bit of inferiority complex. You know, it's like, I think I think that's like universally agreed on as like the one good idea from Chuck Austin's run is like Juggernaut is being reformed or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that. I thought it was you know really good. You know, I I, I like you know the character. Even though even though he reformed in the Malibu comics way before Chuck Austin. Yeah, yeah, he was a good guy before then, but you know. <laughs> We'll overlook that. I, I just like the Juggernaut. He, he has, uh, again, it's, I'm it's, like, Chuck Austin gets credit for nothing! You go, yeah, you... Good day, sir! <laughs> but uh, I like his look. He has a cool look. And he, he, there's a lot of sympathy for him. Uh, you know, there's uh, one comic where uh, he went up against Dazzler, Longshot, and Rogue. And it was because he liked Dazzler. He had a crush on her. And... It ended badly for him. He got his uh, helmet snapped off by Dazzler with her laser blasts. Rogue kissed him, and he went all stupid, and she KO'd him. And it was, it was all because he, like, had a crush on Dazzler. And you feel bad for the guy sometimes. That, that's that's the best, like, way to show a sympathetic, that, uh, sympathetic character is, like, somebody who actually makes you feel sympathy for him instead of just being like, I'm sympathetic. No, you're not. It's like, no, no. Kane's got some issues. You know, he... He's got that little black Tom all the time and his fucking weird, gross tree oak face from the 90s for a little while. <laughs> I, I always think it's nice when he's <laughs> well, buddies with, like, black Tom. Like, not so much dealing with his tree face or whatever, <laughs> yeah. but... Like, I always like the moments, like, in like one of Dead, in Deadpool's, like, first mini or uh, his second mini, I forget, where, like, Deadpool throws Black Tom out of the plane and Juggernaut's like, this ain't over, and he, like, jumps out of the plane after him and stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, because Black Tom can't take that shit, you know, he's got to yeah. save. Or I think there's, there's, like, an issue of, like, Howard Mackey's, like, Spider-Man run where, like, he, <laughs> the Juggernaut, yeah, the Juggernaut's, like, headed to help Black Tom with something and, like, Spider-Man, like, kind of attacks him and stuff, and then, like, eventually they sort it out, and, and like, Juggernaut's like, yo, I just want to go help my friend, dude, and, like, Spider-Man's like, oh, well, I hope your friend feels better. Bye! You know. <laughs> and <I'm> like, okay! <laughs> Bye-bye! You know. Um, uh, second, uh, Arnold Mentor is Nightcrawler. I, I love Kurt Wagner. He's, 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 
a really fleshed out character. It's like, you know, he's a swashbuckler, he's a religious man, and like there was a time where people thought he was gay for some reason or a transvestite. I don't really understand that. Uh, it was just fan opinion. It was like never shown in the comics. They were just like, he's gay. Why? Because he's got emotions. Okay, well that's fine. Um, but I I dig him because he's his own man. When he got charge of Excalibur, he fucking he flaunted that shit like a motherfucker. He was like, I'm in charge. You guys are gonna listen to me. I was an X Man, and even fucking Wolverine didn't hate my ass. Wolverine hates everybody, so you gotta like fucking love me. And he's got great powers, you know. He looks like a demon. People are scared of him, but he's a gentle soul, and he's, like, a really cool character. Um, and finally, last but not least, uh, honorable mention, just because, yes, Cyclops is my favorite, but Colossus. Uh, Pyotr! <laughs> he's uh, a big, burly guy. He's, a again, a gentle soul. He likes to draw. He's an artist. But he could turn into this giant metal mashing monster, like, with, like, steel skin and... He's a powerhouse, you know, he's gone, again, toe-to-toe with somebody I just mentioned earlier, Juggernaut. That's not shabby, you know, he didn't win, but he, he went toe-to-toe with him. And, uh, you know, he, he has that little bond with uh, Derek's, one of Derek's favorites, uh, Ilyana, their brother and sister, so, you know, he can't be all bad. He uh, gets either shit on or written really well, or he does get the medium ground. I kind of like that. I like the fact that, like... Some people don't like him. They can't write him well. Some people love him. They write him really well. And some people are like, I'm going to throw you on the team. You're a good character. Be like, I hate you, Jack of Hearts. Go join Magneto's <laughs> Acolytes for no reason. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that was kind of ass. Yeah. Well, I didn't like that. Um, I, didn't like, I don't understand why he was a part of the Acolytes. Now, now, inject yourself with a needle and die. It's like, what? We've got to fix that shit. Where's Franklin yeah. Richards? Um yeah, no, uh, I think those are cool choices. I, I think you'll be happy to know. I don't know if uh, Justin or Mike have checked this out yet, but, uh, you know, Nightcrawler is making his big comeback over in Amazing X-Men. So, yeah. And then and, and from yeah. what I what I read of that, it, I mean, it's very much, you know, it's keeping, you know, his, his piety and, and, and sort of, uh, you know, religious nature intact, but he definitely seems a lot more like the swashbuckling swordsman that Dave Cockrum kind of really sold him as the most. You know, I think he was Dave Cockrum's favorite character on the team, so he he got a lot of fan aura in those early Cockrum issues, but by the time, of course, you know, John Byrne rolled around the corner, he decided the old Knucklehead was the one who was going to get all the fan aura after that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... Both those characters are, are, you know, good, fun characters for the, the X-Men team. Yeah, and those are, those are my uh, top picks and uh, honorable mentions. Cool, cool. All right, so um, I'll do me real quick since since uh, Tony brought it up. Um, I, I think when when we did the very first episode of Fan Holes, we, we, were, we sort of did a quick runaround of favorite X-Men but didn't go into too much detail. And I think at the time I had said Kitty Pride. Um, but now that Bendis has uh, rectified that for me, I can say that Magic Ileana Rasputin is my favorite X-Man because she is an X-Man now. Um, and I've always liked that character, I guess, just because it was one of the first miniseries, like comic Marvel miniseries I ever read. You know, my, my aunt had mailed me a big stack of 
of different Marvel comics. And of course, one of those was Jack of Hearts, if longtime listeners remember this story. And I think Jack of Hearts is lame. Um, but also in that stack of comics was Magic, and that was the four-issue miniseries that came out. I guess it was supposed to take place like in between X-Men 160 and 161 or whatever. And I was... I was always fascinated by it, you know, I mean, it was, it was, uh, you know, a sort of a ground floor thing for me, you know, I got to know the character from the, the ground floor up, and um, it was, it was pretty horrific, I mean, for a comic book at the time, you know, like dealing with the demon world of, of Limbo and Belasco, and, and it was very creepy to me, and Ileana was a character that I always felt like I could follow after that point, because I, I was introduced to her from the ground floor up, and it was somebody who was always easy for me to follow after that point. Um, but as far as other honorable type mentions for X characters, um, not going outside of the fan holes box. I mean, I'd echo the, the sentiment for Cyclops. Like I've always been a big proponent of Cyclops. Um, as far as Justin talking about Kitty pride, you know, I've always been a big proponent of Kitty pride, um, going a little outside the box, um, I don't know if these qualify all as X-Men or whatnot, but I guess I've always been a fan of the kind of swarmy, um, you know, ladies' man type characters. So whereas Justin didn't see what all the hype about Gambit was, <laughs> like I've always been a big defender of Gambit, even though, you know, technically he's a 90s character and all that stuff. Like I've always been like, yeah, Gambit beat up Wolverine and yeah, Gambit can you know, out agile Wolverine and, and all this kind of uh, famous arguments and stuff that I've had in the past about Gambit and Wolverine and stuff like that. Um, I also thought it was interesting. One of the, the side stories I read in that miniseries I was talking about earlier was, I guess, Cyclops told Gambit to go meet somebody at a bar in San Francisco. And since, you know, he has to listen to Cyclops, he goes down to this bar and then he's like, oh, no, Cher, not you. And uh, Mike will appreciate this because he probably have the same reaction. It was Patsy Walker Hellcat who uh, <laughs> Gambit had to go meet or whatever. And it's almost like they have this nice little fun date. But, of course, everything goes horribly wrong because Patsy Walker is like probably in terms of uh, high maintenance. She's probably like, you know, an 11 out of 10 or whatever. <laughs> you yeah, take that so back. So, uh, so yeah, so it's, it, it, it's, it's a pretty funny short story and, um, and it was something I appreciated being a fan of Gambit and, and, you know, Justin having, giving me, uh, given me a, a greater appreciation and exposure to Patsy Walker Hellcat. Um, I took an extra layer of appreciation to that short story as well. Um, but yeah, I, I, I dig Gambit and, uh, I think he's a fun character for an honorable mention. And then I guess also maybe related to, um, my love of Kitty Pride. I've kind of been a fan of Pete Wisdom. Like I liked Warren Ellis's run on Excalibur a lot. So I've always kind of been a fan of Pete Wisdom. He's kind of the mutant who can throw these like hot knives out of his fingers or whatever. But basically it, it seemed like it was like Marvel's version of John Constantine, you know, just kind of a swarmy English dude that, that Kitty Pride hooks up with at some point. And, you know, I thought was probably one of the better characters to hook up with Kitty Pride as opposed to maybe, you know, I know some people would be like, oh, my God, not Colossus, you know, or Iceman or whoever she happens to be with that week. But um, I always thought that Pride and Wisdom was a cool little 
pairing or what have you. So those would be my honorable mentions. Um, and then I guess last but not least, now that every X-Man has been listed, um, we'll, we'll go to Mike and uh, his favorite characters and honorable mentions. I already kind of mentioned it, but um, I'll go through my honorable mentions first, just as uh, what do you call? Just because my favorite is obvious. Um, yeah, I love I love Colossus. Like my top five would probably be like Colossus. Yeah, like for all the reasons like Tony said, um, Colossus is probably my favorite. Like prerequisite strong guy like on a team like you know every team needs a strong guy and like out of all those guys like colossus is probably my favorite one of those guys basically and like yeah like i i like him as a character too like i think he, he's got a cool power like cool visuals and stuff and like you know he's always like a stand-up guy and you know I, i've always liked colossus um uh, Kitty Pride, I like too. Like, I feel like Kitty Pride is like Wesley Crusher done right, basically. Like, I don't like. I don't feel like annoyed when like Kitty Pride like solves the problems that the adults can't solve. Like, you know, like I, I feel like she, she, she's just naturally talented and not just some you know wait, wait, little wait, annoying smart. She, you're not like fuck you. You're like oh okay cool. Yeah, exactly. She's not some friggin' annoying, like, twerp, like, Wesley Crusher is, or whatever. So. Shut up, Wesley! And, yeah, exactly. Shut up, Wesley! And, and she's got a pet dragon. I mean, that's that's fucking awesome. Like, you know. But, uh, um, what was I gonna say? Um, I like Psylocke. Um, I guess, like, some of the earliest, like, new X-Men comics I ever read were, like, you know, right in the dead center of Jim Lee's like run or or not I guess by that time it was Andy Kubert or whatever but uh you know Psylocke is an obviously as a like hormonal like you know 10 to 12 year old I was like hey who's this who's this like purple <laughs> chick in the swimsuit you know like hey yeah that was always weird in those those X-Men because I think by then like I I'm not gonna say I was uh you know done with those kind of thoughts or whatever but by then I think I was I was more consciously aware of of that kind of trope in comics so it was like that funny thing where i'm like oh now psylocke's coming on to cyclops you know like okay well well, everybody always says it's about rogue there's even a comic cover about it but as far as silent goes i will have to say dad ass <laughs> yeah but you know like not to just to to not objectify her no, like no, i actually course. like yeah like her as a character like i liked i i i liked her pairing with like archangel like i thought like when her and warren got together i thought that was like oh that's that seems like a good fit like you know they both they they seem like the types that should get together like they're both kind of rich snobs kind of basically but um and i i liked her whole character arc during like uncanny x-force and everything yeah she had a lot of good moments in that book yeah definitely but um uh Nightcrawler is probably my second favorite X-Man. Um, like all the reasons you guys have sp- said, you know, he's he's a fun guy to have around. Uh, he's a, he's a great like range of a character. Like you know, you can play him a ton of different ways, and they're all like like legit. Like you know, he can be like sort of the somber like man of religion, or he can be like the fun like swashbuckling adventurer and stuff. And like you know, he's he's got a great range and a great like you know, I don't know, he's just a very um 
diverse character, I guess. And I think he's one of, like, the better examples of, like, the mutant condition, I guess. Like, you know, he's, like, where you see here's, like, a moral, like, upstanding, like, friendly, like, great human being, but he looks like a friggin', like, devil, like, you know. And I, I thought that, like, that's kind of, like, a good, like, uh, he's my, like, poster child for the mutant condition. Yeah, and, I, like, like I did read Amazing X-Men number one, and I was like, man, I've, I, I can't believe how much I missed Nightcrawler, like he's great in that first issue, where you know he's kind of like he's he's in heaven basically, or or somewhere where we're told is basically paradise, and he's kind of like, man, I'm bored, <laughs> like, and he, he yeah. like kind of gets into a sword fight with all these demons, and he's like cracking jokes and stuff, and you know, I always kind of liked his also, I always kind of liked his like sort of one sided rivalry with Spider Man, like basically, like every so often he'd bring up like you know, like man, I can do any anything like Spider-Man can do and I can do it better. And then like that one time in Secret Wars where they fight, he's like, "Oh man, like Spider-Man's kicking my ass. Damn it. Like I'm not better than him or whatever." <laughs> yeah. Spider-Man kicked everybody's ass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, cuz I mean, I mean just to throw thing, he doesn't actually have mutant agility, does he? Or does he not? Or does he? Yeah. yeah, Nightcrawler. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I thought I always thought it was just because how his body was made with the tail and everything. He was just like agile because of that, not because of a mutant ability. No, I think he has like natural like mutant agility or yeah. whatever. Oh, okay. Okay, I like that. Yeah. But in any case, yeah. And obviously, my number one favorite X Men character is Cyclops, and we already talked about him a bunch. But oh, you know, yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think I think it's because like I I've always liked the leader type characters and the the sort of like you know steady like you know guys like like I said I think Leonardo of the Ninja Turtles like was the first guy like that that I liked and and then like Prowl from Transformers but Cyclops I think Cyclops was the guy who like made me realize like why I liked those characters and it, it's cuz they like you know they're kind of in control of the situation I guess and like I I just I guess I find that like really badass like you know, even even if they're not tech, like even in a leading position, they just have like a sort of control about them sometimes. And I just find I just think that's cool, basically. And I I, I want I wrote it down because um one of my favorite quotes from Cyclops um it's towards the end of like the Uncanny X Men like before it was relaunched recently. I think it's like a Matt. It's, no, I think it's a Karen Gillan issue. Um, where I think they're they're fighting like the the fair itself juggernaut or whatever, and uh, like Cyclops is talking like to the mayor of San Francisco like we're we're gonna handle this and whatnot and like he's kind of like they they try and stop juggernaut and it fails and she's and he's like well that didn't work on to plan two and she's like don't you mean plan B and Cyclops like looks at her and he's like that would imply I only have twenty six plans. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, that's one of my favorite Cyclops lines. But, uh, and, yeah, that's pretty much it, you know. He's he's my favorite, and, you know, that's it, basically. Well, well I, I think the thing with Cyclops is, like, if you go into battle with, like, Wolverine or Cyclops, let's say you're on the top of a ridge, and there's a giant castle in front of you with all these guns or swords or whatever, like, fucking thing you're, you're scared of. Wolverine be like... Well, you know what we're going to do, bub? We're going to bust through that front door and see how many we can take before they take us down. And Cyclops is going to be like, actually, we're going to, like, go to point three on the left flank and attack that there and go into the side route, and then we'll be able to get to the juncture of where their, like, main power is. And it's like, fucking A, he's 
planned this out already, you know? He's like... He's the main... Like, yeah, he's like the man... Like, the man with the plan, but it's not like he's like Bat... Like, he doesn't have, like, Batman fan aura where he's like, he's got a plan within a plan within a plan with... And he knew when you were going to fart and he knew... Exactly when this was gonna. Happen. It's like it's a realistic kind of preparedness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If a big, big nasty jumps out of the fucking side corridor, he's not gonna be like, "Oh, I know how to deal with this. I plan for it." No, he's just gonna fucking blast the motherfucker. He's like, "Oh, didn't see that coming. Blast you." Yeah, yeah. Like uh, I, I was talking about the Proteus like story as my favorite, and I also like that kind of moment. Like after he kind of like you know gives Wolverine like in Storm and Nightcrawler the the pep combat session or whatever, you know, to get them back in the game, you know, Wolverine's kind of like, you know, I didn't think much of you, like, as a leader, like, before this, but, man, I was wrong, I'm sorry, like, (laughs) he's kind of like, and Cyclops is like, well, I thank you, Wolverine, you know, you know, you want to be buddies now? And Wolverine's like, no, I'm I'm stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Wolverine, laser claws, over there. Yeah, that, that's kind of why I think that comparison to Captain America is very valid, too, because both those guys have that strategic leader thing going on. And even to extend that to somebody like Dick Grayson when he was leading the new Teen Titans, you know, that's something I always thought Dick Grayson had over Batman, you know, going back to the whole comparison to Batman's prep time, you know, and, and I don't know if that's always true of today's comics how that's portrayed but that's how i've always thought of it that's you know something that they all have over a guy like batman because to me batman's that guy in the dematteis justice league run who like barks orders at people but like they don't always sort of have the confidence to either follow them or they're just following them because they're scared of him not because they actually trust that the order makes perfect sense whereas i think when somebody like cyclops or captain america or whoever even dick grayson says all right mister you know go to the left flank and do this and that everybody's like oh dude man has a plan let's go do it as opposed to you know somebody like batman be like Beetle, go to the left flank. Um, okay, Mr. Batman, sir, you think this is a good... Beetle, go! Okay, okay, okay. You know, <laughs> like Beetle's like, what's a flank, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, it's 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 like that sort of attitude that like like beyond the fact that he's like my favorite character, why I I side with Cyclops and like all this schiz like when all that schism and AVX stuff sort of happened is because like I feel like Cyclops is like almost like genre savvy where he's kind of like you know he's like mutants are always going to be fucking be in danger. It doesn't matter like you know what where what you say you're going to keep like the kids out of danger or whatever because basically to take like a he, he almost sees like out of like out of the fourth wall because Marvel will never let them not be in danger like <laughs> pretty much you know it's that's the status quo of the X-Men you know they're no matter where you are you know the friggin school buses full of mutant kids are still going to get attacked and blown up because you know so you know we might as well be prepared for that but you know that's that, that's why I'm always like Cyclops is right because he knows like Marvel executives and stuff. <laughs> he knows Joey Quesada. Exactly. I know how I'm being written, motherfuckers, and I'm still gonna fuck with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I just add one more thing to to your thing, uh, Mike, and this is incredibly shallow and not really worth adding to your nicely deconstructed view of Cyclops. He also looks really cool. I like Cyclops' look. <laughs> yeah, he's got a good design. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What, what, well, since, since we have so many Cyclops fans, like, what what is your favorite look for Cyclops? 
Um, I I like his like his you know the second costume like where he that he wore mostly through Claremont and Burns run like just the blue like shirt but i liked his astonishing costume like the very first one like the john cassidy designed one it seemed like a a good update of that that first costume and like i i also like the one like the the figure you you got for me like this the i guess it's like the the uh improved astonishing costume yeah, where he's yeah. sort of got like more yellow in it but like i i think the first one i liked the like the best like the, or the first astonishing variant I don't actually mind his current costume. Like, I, people, we make jokes about the Racer X thing, but I think I think it's really distinct, and it, it's like a it's a it's a changeover from like his usual visor. Yeah, I think so. I think it kind of grew on me. Like, I think now I'm I'm kind of used to it now. You know, uh, I mean, uh, he's nerd, and I kind of like the Jim Lee design with pouches, 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 pouches. Um, it was it was new for the time. I thought that was really cool. But probably my favorite one is the X Factor White X with blue tights. Yeah, I really, I, I guess I like that just because cause I dressed up for that, like, for one Halloween. So I have sort of have a fondness for that particular outfit as well. Although I don't think they really did it justice in the figure form. Like, the, the yeah. X lines are too skinny for me, <laughs> I guess. But. Yeah, it's supposed to be really wide and stuff. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I, I like that outfit. I don't know why. Do you guys like the white X or the yellow X? The, the white one. White, yeah, white. Yeah, yeah. not the yellow. No, yeah. the, white, <laughs> the white one. And I'm just going to put Justin down for the Jim Lee outfit because he wears a bomber jacket at some point. So that's, that's <laughs> what I'm, I'm, I'm going to speak for Justin. So. Justin, do you have a favorite Cyclops look? The only way you can make Cyclops cool is with a bomber jacket. <laughs> Burn! Burn! Oh, he's been he's been saving that up. I've, I've been waiting. All right, cool. Came back yeah. with the punches. <laughs> I like that. I like that. It's awesome. Nightcrawler, my little Tavarish, you're not dead after all, no? <laughs> I would hope not. But I would have been, if not. For Kitty Pride. Thank you. That was the bravest, most unselfish thing I've ever seen in my life. Don't you agree? <laughs> well, Wolverine, you were against Kitty being a member of the team. What do you think now? So the kid got lucky that don't make her an X-Man. Not yet. All right, so so we've done all our favorite X-Men characters. I thought what might be kind of fun to do with this, uh, you know, I know we've got other odd odds and end uh, topics, you know, like cartoons or maybe video games and stuff like that. But I thought what might be kind of fun is since we all, I, I think we're all pretty familiar with most of the X-Men cartoons. I mean, maybe Tony hasn't watched a few or what have you, but I thought it might be kind of fun to rank what your what your opinion of, the x-men cartoons are so like i will i will start to provide an example but like even though a lot of people go what he's got an australian accent like i'm a big fan of pride of the x-men uh i just i like the animation style i think michael bell is a great choice as cyclops's voice actor um i think all the voice acting is really top-notch you know, I like how it was, like, farmed out, probably to, like, TMS or some great animation studio, but all the character designs looked very American in nature. Um, and then also the fact that, you know, a lot of people think that Pride of the X-Men can snugly actually fit 
into regular X-Men comic book continuity in some ways. So that would be sort of like my, my number one pick. Um, I think maybe uh, for like ranking it maybe number two, I'd probably go with something like the X-Men Evolutions. Um, I know not everybody was a fan of like the teeny bopper X-Men or whatever, but again, I liked the voice acting a lot. Um, you know, I enjoyed the show. It didn't heavily focus on Wolverine and characters that we liked, you know, like Cyclops or, and especially Kitty Pride. It was the first time that Kitty Pride had any kind of solid role in a long-term cartoon other than Pride of the X-Men. And the same thing goes for, I'd say, Nightcrawler, too. So um, that that was some of my reasoning for, for really enjoying that series. Um, I know there's lots of love for the Fox Kids cartoon, but I'd probably rank that, like, number three, just because the animation is atrocious. Like, there were tons <laughs> of mistakes. Um, the voice acting... The voice acting was done by a lot of Canadians. No offense, Canadians, but it was it was it was okay, you know. Like so, like I mean, I'm I, I know I'm poo pooing over a bunch of people's dreams, but like I was I was like 14 or 15, going on 18 by the time that show was on. So to me, I looked at it with a much more critical eye than say. I would super friends. You know, I know to a lot of people that Fox Kids X-Men show was like their version of super friends for the X-Men, I guess, and introduced a lot of children to the X-Men characters, but it wasn't what introduced me to the X-Men. So I don't have any Christmas, Derek, come on. Yeah. I don't, I don't have any great fondness in that regard, like any nostalgia in that. If anything, I like watching it to yuck it up at all the funny moments and the fact that I shall meet you at the monorail. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, or, or the fact that Wolverine can never touch, anybody with his claws unless it's like a robot and him and Sabretooth roll around like lovers in the snow or whatever <laughs> and don't actually fight each other and stuff. You know, like things like that. Like, this I, one's you know, for you, Morph. I, I, you know, I enjoy it for the yucks, basically. And, and, and can appreciate that they got to get to a great deal of, of characters in the run or what have you. Um, and then I guess the, that, that leaves, uh, I, 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 I could have put the, the Marvel X-Men anime before the Fox kids one, but I think, I think I would put that after at like number four. Like I like the fact that Cyclops was the de facto leader and the Japanese aren't like, you know, you know, confused about that in any way, shape, or form, like some people in America, um, you know, that, that Cyclops is definitively the leader. Um, I, I think the the bad guys were a little weak, you know, it was like the UFOs and all that kind of other stuff. Um, but uh, for the most part, I liked it. I mean, you know, you could say like, oh, Emma Frost isn't comic accurate and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, that's the only thing you can really take away from it in, in that much, in my opinion. And then, of course, last and certainly least is Wolverine and the X-Men. Worst fucking X-Men show ever made. There's like one and a half good episodes. Um, you know, <laughs> all I learned learn from that is Cyclops really hates TV. Uh, Cyclops is a total tool in it. All the X-Men but Wolverine can get beat up by ninjas. Um, I think the episodes, I'm trying to remember, there were two episodes I think I liked, and I think the one I really liked was the one with Nightcrawler, and then I think the .5 one I liked was maybe with 
Angel or something where he becomes yeah, the Archangel, Archangel one. episode. Like yeah. like that was that was pretty decent, you know. But other than that, I I kind of hated that show. Um, I did support it on Blu-ray just because I want you know Marvel shows to get Blu-ray releases and all that other stuff. But so yeah, that that's pretty much. And I don't think I've forgotten the X-Men cartoons unless I'm overlooking something. But that's that's basically how I would rank them. But I'm curious what you guys think like in terms I've, of that. I'm going to go next just because mine's going to be really quick. My list is the exact same as yours, except for number four. I really like the Wolverine versus uh, Hulk uh, direct DVT. That, that's uh, a good one. Yeah, that is really good. Yeah, I, it had Deadpool in it. Yeah, Deadpool's not X-Men, but Wolverine is, so it's still an X-Men show. And all three of your ones, I, I would cite for the same reasons. I enjoyed all those in the same order. So, yeah, that's all i got to say about that. I, I might even put that Wolverine and the Hulk one above Pride of the X-Men. I thought that was really good, actually. But. It was. I, I really enjoyed that. I'll, I'll step up and defend the 90s Fox Kids show. Um, that that would probably be my overall favorite. And I'd probably speak for the absent Brian, too, because I know he yeah, likes I know, that Yeah, I know he loves lot. it as well. And I guess it's probably why you exactly said it's because, like, I kind of grew up with that show where, like, uh, while I had, had read X-Men comics before that, like... That that cartoon was what made me go, wow! I should really like go to the comic store and actually buy some like real X Men comics and stuff. And you know, what do you call? It? I should be like, I should be a fan of this. Like, this is cool. Like, and um. Well, just remember, me and Derek are old. <laughs> yes, I, I factored that in, like Cyclops, in my strategy when that, I that's attacked the, that's this topic. The, that's yeah. the one thing me and Wolverine have in common. We're old. <laughs> We're old. <laughs> But yeah, like I, I agree. Like the voice acting is very cheesy at points, and the animation is gets very like yeah dicey at points. But still, like I, th- I think the writing and the 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 cartoon the plots are pretty good. Nowadays, like looking back on it at a critical eye, I'm kind of like like you know so, like I'll probably be like you, Derek, where I'd be like you know man, like Nightcrawl, like Kitty Pride didn't show up at all. Like Nightcrawler's only in two episodes. Like Colossus is only in two episodes. And I'm like, in you know, like Gambit is a founding member of the team before like Colossus <laughs> See, and Nightcrawler, yeah, where and they like, even met Colossus. Yeah, and Morph is and, a founding member of the team or some shit. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I guess I was forgiving of that because like they created Morph to die basically, and like they even admitted it. They were like, we want to kill someone off in the first episode, and like it didn't help. What do you call? It didn't help. They made him look like he was addicted to heroin in the first episode. And this Darcy was like, hey, Wolverine, let's go kill some shit or something. Uh, oh, yeah, when they brought him back in the second season, yeah, and he was e- e- evil. Yeah, he had the dark circles under his eyes and whatnot. But I, I guess because fans liked him or whatever, so they decided to bring him back. But you uh, who, know, who yeah, are I, these mythical fans? I need proof I, and I facts and numbers. I don't know. Do I remember people reading like Morph? some fans. I don't know, but... <laughs> Yeah, the, I really like that show, and it, it's like with some of my like best friends, I can still like quote lines from that show, and we can we can yuck it up about like Storm like being like an overacting. Please like, hear my cry. <laughs> yeah, and, and all the Wolverine like lines, like I said. I'm, like, I was gonna say I'm just a fan of Tyler. Tyler, yeah, and K, of course, Cable and Bishop. We, obviously, we love Bishop for the, you know, for the future and all that Yours stuff. Yours and mine. Yeah. What and happened? 
What happened? I know where all the traps are, Wolverine. <laughs> Slam! Yeah. Uh, that, that, show, that show did suffer from a bit of Wolverine-itis, too, especially towards the end, like, where it, it seems like, you know, like, uh, Professor X is like, we have to go on a random mission that has nothing to do with, like, anyone, but, like, let me pick the team, like, two people, Wolverine and one other of you, you know, <laughs> like, whoever else is here, who's here? You know? Even if it wasn't Wolverine, it'd be like, uh, Jubilee, go run off and do some fucked up shit so Wolverine has to save you. He's like Wolverine and Wolverine number two. Yeah, you're with me. You know. But. Can you can you single out any of your favorite episodes, or I guess maybe being that like some of your favorite comic stories are Proteus. Like, how do you think their adaptation oh. of Proteus holds up to the actual comic? Or whatever? Aside, aside from Wolverine crying like a bitch that episode, like I I didn't like their adaptation of Proteus. I thought it was a safe. Saturday morning version of that story where everything's fine in the end, you know, it's like, he didn't kill anyone, and like, you know, he, he reunites with his dad, and it's all nice and stuff. I don't know, I didn't like that, but at least, at the very least, they kept the Wolverine as a pansy little bitch in that episode. I actually did like the Shi'ar uh, episode, is that pretty good? Which one? Uh, <laughs> the, the, the one where, like, basically it starts with, like, the m Crystal, where, like, Professor X is like, the power! Like the, yeah, the Phoenix saga? Yeah, they, did, they, they pretty much did most of that stuff justice. I mean, obviously, like, I guess they, they switched Jean's death to the end of, like, the original Phoenix saga, and then, like, let her live at the end of Dark Phoenix, but, you know, I guess it kind of all, like, worked out in the end. But as, as for Derek's question, like, favorite episodes, like, um, I liked the Iceman episode where they fight X-Factor at the end. Oh, okay. That's always a good one. Um, that always that always drove me crazy because I was like, but wait, they're showing us a clip of the original five X Men <laughs> yeah. in action when the, they were not founding members, like you know, according to the caveat of the cartoon, supposedly, you know. So I was yeah. like, what is going on? You know, I just assume Professor X wiped all their minds, memories of like. Archangel and Iceman. Like, like, I'm they totally up, going to make them think Gambit was a founding member. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pull my uh, Kevin Conroy card, though, right now. And Michael will appreciate this. Best Beast voice ever. I love Beast's voice on that show. I mean, he was okay. I thought you were going to say Wolverine, though, because I like, like, what's his name, Cal Dodd. Like, he's probably my favorite Wolverine voice. Like, as cheesy as he is, he's still, like, who I think of when Wolverine, like, talks. I don't care about which spirit ladies do what to which Cajuns. I'm here to stop a wedding. Like, yeah, yeah I, mean, yeah, I mean, I can hear it, yeah. I mean, Beast is okay, but, like, I think Beast has had good voices elsewhere. Yeah, like, like I, I like I them when... Uh, Char Aznable did Beast in X Men Evolutions. Yeah, um, I'm just working off like Jean Grey's God, oh God, oh God. Uh, yeah, she was especially kind of cheesy. Yeah, but uh, um, I, I liked the the later episode, despite it using the crappy animation studio, the Wolverine and Captain America team up. Yeah. Like that oh, was okay. Where they fight oh, like the, the not where they fight the not Nazi robot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, they can. What do you call? Uh, and and the really poor like faux German soldiers at the beginning that like don't have anything resembling a German accent. But yeah, like, it was probably it was like Canadians make up who went to uh, acting school on Saturdays and weren't trained in 
how to do German. Yeah, like, they, they're, they're little, like, when Wolverine's up on the, the building, they're like, Yonder Wolf, sign die immediately! Like, what, what kind of accent is <laughs> So, so, if I'm not mistaken, that episode was made before Bone Claws were in existence, so Wolverine had to run around with these, like, mountain shear claws or something yeah, at the time. Yeah. So it's like, he's not clawless, but he doesn't have Admantium claws yet, you know. Kind of like these claws, you know. It's like, oh, um, you do, eh? Wink, wink. I, I will I will give X-Men the anime series one big uh, caveat, and I, I am proud of this from this. They did not even reference or acknowledge the really horrible Spider-Man team-up, where for some reason the guys who drew the X-Men cartoon were not available, and all the X-Men like shit in the Spider-Man crossover. Yeah. Well, they had to adapt them to Spider-Man's animation. Yeah. Oh, God, so, so so bright. They did, like, kind of look, yeah, crummy in that episode. But I guess I was kind of, like, excited that they were meeting, so I kind of overlooked it or whatever. But like, oh, I love in that ep- Wolverine gets to roll around with Spider-Man. <laughs> with someone other than Saber, <laughs> He gets to hug somebody new. But uh, um, I I liked the Days of the Future Past, like, their take, despite the fact that, like, obviously since they were trying to remain current, it, like, it was Bishop instead of, like, Kitty Pride who goes back to the past from the future. But, you know, generally I thought they did a good job of portraying, like, that, the hellish alternate future pretty well. Yeah. But, yeah, um, you, know, you know it was hellish with the harmonica in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that there's some harmonica in the new movie. Well, you yeah. know, I will say this, Mike, and this is this is actually a very big compliment. For what they had to deal with, with all the history of the X-Men and trying to fit new characters in, I I can give allowances on that. They, they did the best they could, because they had to fit a shit ton of characters in like three or four seasons, so I mean you can't really hate them. Yeah, like, I, yeah, like as as a product of the times, you know, I, I can understand. I can make a lot of allowances, and I like nostalgia talking. I still like it a whole lot, but you know, I, I definitely recognize that it's goofy and it's what do you call it? Hasn't aged too well, but uh, like I, I still like like it. Like oh, so so like in the final analysis, like how would you rank some of the various animated? Um, number two would be definitely Pride of the X Men. And, like that one episode, like I, I, I didn't see it until like later, and I thought like Wolverine's Australian accent was like, like <laughs> fucked up. Like I was like, what the hell? Like, uh, hello, <laughs> Bob, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, it's like, why is he not joining the X Men? She, she's <laughs> just a kid. <laughs> oh, we're gonna talk about this thing all day. I'll do it, <laughs> kids. <laughs> But yeah, it, it's got beautiful animation. Yeah, you know, like you said, Michael Bell obviously works for Cyclops because he worked for Duke and Prowl. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. very well. And like, yeah, I, the I like. Well, some people are. It's kind of funny because some people are like, "Man, how good it would it have been if that show like continued? Like, like how good the animation was." And I was like, "Well, yeah, but that was the pilot. You know, they're not going to have that level of animation for every show." If, yeah, on. yeah, that you probably you probably have those other Korean studios that they farm it out to, A-com, where things would look whatever. like Acom level crap. Yeah, it would have transformed. But but then, yeah. then think about it, Acom did like every episode of fucking Fox Kids. So yeah, they did. Yep. Yeah. It might have, which, which is why it was crap. But, it might have uh, transformed yeah. at some point where like there's like four Magnetos and like purple and gray and green or something. <laughs> and then Wheeljack's immobilizer. You're like, that's where that went. That's <laughs> awesome. 
my lord. <laughs> <laughs> we're even shitting on the stuff me and Derek like. <laughs> he should be appreciative. <laughs> no. But uh, um, after that, yeah, I'd say, like, maybe Evolution. Like, I liked Evolution. I mean, well, I guess I should say, like, the first season, I was like, man, this is dumb. But that that was, like, when I was, like, you know, the Fox Kids show had ended, and I was still bitter about that. And I'd be like, I'm not going to watch this new Teeny Bopper X-Men show, you know. Like, this isn't the real, like, X-Men or whatever I probably was at that point. But, you know, um, you know, definitely what you said, like, people, like, you know, Kitty Pride got their due in that show, and you know, Wolverine was clearly cast in a like good role. Like, uh, I didn't mind that he was like you know a mentor type. Like, I think that worked well. And you know, I uh, he wasn't at odds with Cyclops in that show, so I think it wasn't as annoying. Like, you know, it, it was kind of well, like they it, had, it like, was fine that he got some standalone episodes where he could go off and have adventures and fight Sabretooth or whatever. But it's like the whole series did not focus around Wolverine and his past and all this other stuff, which yeah. is kind of what what you ended up with on Overload with, say, the X-Men films and Wolverine and the X-Men, and you're just kind of like, all right, enough, you know? Well, yeah. there, there's even a couple episodes of Evolution where, like, you know, Wolverine, yeah, in that role, I mean, it's kind of annoying, but still, at the same time, it's kind of nice, where he's like, oh, man, Slim could really be the leader of this team. He's, like, really doing really well, you know, and that's... Something Wolverine doesn't yeah. say in the comic. He was like, he was all like, you know, that's good job there, Gohan. I mean, Cyclops. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you never get in the comics. You know, Wolverine's just like, Cyclops, you're a dick. But even at least in the cartoon, he's like, oh, you could be leader of this fucking troop. He's like, yeah. yeah. I will say, though, Evolution, I, I hated Nightcrawler. Like, especially in the first season, where they were, like, they couldn't, like, get a handle on him. Where I'm he's Brad Svail, like, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was like, yeah. He wasn't, yeah, he wasn't Amaro Ray with a German accent or whatever. He was, but. He was, he was a little extreme, yeah. No, I, yeah. I always used to get into fights with my friends. I'm like, how can you not love that version of Nightcrawler? He's awesome. But, like, no, everybody, thought... everybody's like, man, he's a kid and this, that. But, like, I I, I still appreciate it. Like, I, I th- It wasn't that he was a kid. I, I just thought he was fucking irritating. Like, I don't know. It was just, like, uh, I don't know. But, like, in the very first episode, I remember what turned me off was when he was, like, fighting Toad. And he was kind of like, I think they say in America, Nino, Nino. No, me, no. And I was like, oh, fuck you, man. <laughs> well, obviously, I didn't say that because I was probably like 12 years old at the time. I don't know. Again, like what I said about the 90s show, in retrospect, I liked Evolution. Like, you know, it, like towards the end, I thought it got really good and it, it really came into its own and, you know. And uh, what do you call it? I liked the X-Men anime for the same reasons you said, Derek. Like, it, they seem to respect the team dynamic. And even though, like, yeah, like, Storm and was pretty useless and Emma Frost was kind of out of character. Wait, 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 wait. Storm's big old boobs were not useless. <laughs> Take that back what's, what's, right I, now. I, I, What's the joke I, I think I made when we talked about this anime? I was like, the reason Storm didn't do anything in that show is because she was so tired from, like, lugging her giant boobs or <laughs> Wind! Storm! Raise my titties up so I can fly! <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, the, like, I, I liked that like, the, the dynamic between the rest of them and stuff. Like, I liked Cyclops and beating Wolverine at pool and stuff, and Wolverine's like, no, don't go in! He's trying to, like, blow the ball away and stuff. See, that's, uh, that's the perfect, like, 
game to sort of display like why Cyclops has a better handle on you know geometry and strategy and all kinds of other stuff than Wolverine would ever have a handle on. Yeah, because like in the movies or like you know comic stories, like Wolverine would just like slam his dick into the table and knock every ball down, and be like, "Yeah, bub, that's what I do, animanium dick, whatever," you know. And just... <laughs> okay, let's, let's let's leave that image behind. Um, okay, and um, I don't think uh, the admanium coating works that way, Tony. It's a boner, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I was gonna say and like in contrast with like my also my last show on the list Wolverine and the X-Men like you know Cyclops got over being like Gene being dead in like one episode and then he went back to work but like you know he was a mopey sad sack in Wolverine and the X-Men, which obviously turned me off. But also what Derek said is, if you really watch that show, it's not just Cyclops. Like, all those guys got friggin' shafted, like, yeah. in, like to make Wolverine look better. And, you know, it's, yeah, like, they, they become plot devices, so Wolverine has to go to Japan to save them, you know, so they get their asses kicked by ninjas, like, seriously, you know. And, and, like, those friggin' ninjas snuck up on, like, Emma Frost and stuff, like, you know, who has psychic powers, I know. Dude, like, they got a crash course from uh, Kazar before they, they flew over from Japan. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> well, I mean, like, seriously, the reason I didn't watch this is not because... I hate Wolverine. It's just because you guys had told me like he doesn't cut anybody, he doesn't kill ro like you know kill anybody. He like punches robots and then he'll cut them up. Then and it was just like such a Wolverine fan fest. I'm like, okay, I don't want to watch this. I'm 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 good. I can miss this you know series of X Men. Well, I like I didn't even get the premise of it because it's like you know when Professor X gives them the message from the future and he's kind of like Wolverine, you must lead the team. And they, they never give you a reason why, because Wolverine is like, you know, I don't know, he's still in the future, so clear like, Professor X meets the future Wolverine, so clearly he didn't prevent anyone from dying or anything, so it's like, there's no, he should have said, Wolverine, since you are the most popular in our meal ticket, you must leave the team, you know, no matter how bad you suck. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, Wolverine, how did that go? Yeah, I kind of fucked it up, but sorry. Like, think about it. I was like, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. If Wolverine is still in the future, alive, and everyone else is dead, what does that say, like, for his leadership ability? Chuck, I so washed my own ass. I totally lived. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, I, aside from those episodes Derek mentioned, like, the Nightcrawler one, I, I should say, like, that the Nightcrawler in Wolverine versus in Wolverine and the X-Men is probably the best animated Nightcrawler. Like, I liked him. He was a good balance of, like, the swashbuckler and the, the uh, like, you know, serious guy, so... And and the the Archangel origin episode was pretty good, and a good, like, focus on Archangel and Storm, but... Yeah, other than those episodes, I really hated that show. <laughs> what do you, what do you, I mean, this is open to anybody who wants to answer, but w would you had look forward to more episodes of Wolverine and the X-Men? I mean, I know they were kind of going in that age of apocalypse direction, or do you just think it would have been more of the same, or do you think maybe it would have maybe come into its own a little bit with a, a oh. additional seasons? I mean, I'd welcome the chance for it to improve, but yeah, like based on what it ha what it 
like I'd seen. Like I, I was like when it got came, when I heard it wasn't going to be picked up. I was like, fine, good. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know. <laughs> You're like, no, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Screw it. Yep. Never mind. Yeah. How about you, Justin? Uh, you, do, you think, do you think your uh, your ranks are different from Mars? Like, what what? How do you see some of these animated properties? Um, mine's probably going to be very similar to Mike because I'm going to go with uh, X Men the Animated Series as my number one for all the same reasons Mike picked nostalgia and I love it despite all of its flaws. I love its flaws. I love the goofy dialogue. Um, number two is going to be Pride of the X Men. Um, number three will be the animated series. I'm not even going to list the other two because, unlike the rest of you, like I couldn't get into X-Men Evolution. Part of it was that Disney style of animation, and like I watched most of the first season, and I just like I don't know, it just didn't hold my attention. Like I was constantly like, you know, looking around, like seeing what the cat was doing or like what's going on outside. Like I just, I know, I know you guys said it got a lot better like later on, but I just. I just didn't make it past that first season, and Wolverine and the X Men was pretty awful. Like, I got, I got to maybe episode eight or eight or nine, and I just quit. Like, I couldn't take any more of that. Like, the only one that I enjoyed was the Hulk Wolverine uh, episode. Like that. Oh, where they where they fight a bunch of Wendigos and stuff. Yeah, that one was okay, but like, you know, it's awful for all the reasons you guys already listed. Like, it was so awful. So like. Would, would you throw the uh, Hulk Wolverine DTV movie before those, or no? Nah? Um, yeah, I, I like that. Uh, I like that. I like the, you know, the Thor Hulk one, and I like the Wolverine Hulk one too. I mean, we've joked about this, but it's kind of like the, you know, the Stan Lee joke. He's like, Hulk, you know, Hulk versus Wolverine. Well, what's the problem? Hulk will just crush the little guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, that's the best part of that little special feature. Or but, uh, that that was a really good short. Um, I know there's like uh, Derek's mentioned this, but like I guess the only one we may kind of be missing is that Hulk Wolverine Ultimate motion comic. Like I haven't watched or read that. Well, there, there's so there many motion comics. I mean, there's there's motion comics of like the original X Men comic. There's motion comics of, of there's the Whedon like, stuff. A bunch of the Whedon yeah. stuff. Yeah, I should Ultimate mention it. The Whedon stuff is good. Yeah, like I liked the Whedon motion comics. You I know, thought there's, everyone there's, was pretty There's a lot cast. of different motion comics for for X Men fans if they should so be inclined to check those out. Yeah, but should we include those as like mass? I mean, you can get them on you can get them on the internet, but like, I, I get, see, I, I yeah, get them in Walmart all the hard, time, yeah. so, oh, okay. so I don't think I don't think it's that yeah. tough to come by. I mean, as long as they're they're new, you know, like yeah, I mean, yeah. I, w- I will say about that Hulk Wolverine short, um, I'm not a huge Dan- Deadpool fan, like at all. Like I've never really been all that crazy or even interested in the character, but I liked him in that short, especially when like. When Wolverine's in the base, you know, he wakes up and he's like, hey, Wolverine, I shot you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I thought he was, like, really great in that, but, like, it seems like any time, maybe I just haven't read, like, the right Deadpool comics, but, like, whenever I read a Deadpool comic, I'm like, why can't he be, like, like he was in that short, like, why can't he be like this in the comics? But Yeah, the only, the, I mean, the, I don't know, Mike, Mike might chime in on this as well, but the, the only comic run that I think echoes that, brand or style of Deadpool is the Joe Kelly stuff, but that's that's my personal opinion. 
Yeah, I mean, I like Joe Ke- uh, Joe Kelly's original run, and I, I like Deadpool and Cable too. Like, I thought those were both. Like, yeah, that was, oh, yeah, I've read yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot of people for some reason they tend to like go with Deadpool humor as more gross out and like I'm a scumbag, and it's like, no, he's a pop culture fanatic, not a scumbag. Why do you keep like the video game? It, it seems like, well, back in, like, Joe Kelly's, like, days, it seems like whenever he'd joke, like, make jokes about him being sort of a, no pun intended, a degenerate, like, you know, it'd be more clever than, like, gross, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, it'd be like, you know, it's like, you know, I would never watch midget porn. Okay, I sometimes watch midget porn, but only after I, like, read, like, you know, the X-Files. You know, something kind of funny, you know, like, I read the X-Files novel. Not just, like, I like to look at penises. It's like, really? Come on, man. Why you gotta make such a lowbrow joke, you know? Yeah. That's like well, the... he, he does, he does love the Arthur, though. Yeah, but that, that's still funny, though. That's kind of funny. <laughs> it, is, it is funny. I like it. Yeah. It's it, like, yeah, like the the current game, and yeah. yeah. But, but... Where it goes around to is like what Justice said. Like that's that's a funny Deadpool. That's that's a good Deadpool. That's a comic slash cartoon Deadpool you would enjoy. So, yeah. Well, I think I think a lot of props go to Nolan North for his his voice acting work on that because he. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's funny at the same time he's doing like Cyclops or doing what like Superboy on Young Justice, but he also you know really delivered the goods and was re- very very funny as uh, Deadpool in that short. So if they ever made some kind of live action or, or uh, what do you call it? Not live action, but, you know, animated type ongoing Deadpool thing. I think Nolan North would be the man to get for a, for a Deadpool VA. Yeah. Logan, we missed you. That Weapon X just hasn't been the same without you. Nobody calls me Bub anymore. And Omega Red's a bedwetter. One day I will tear out your Yeah, I think I think he inspired uh, Mike's favorite catchphrase from the uh, Marvel vs. Capcom series of "Bang, bang, 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 bang." <laughs> similar, similar, but yeah, a little different. Well, now I only have terrible, like post-traumatic stress, like flashbacks of people doing that to me online, where they just <laughs> jump jump backwards doing that gun move, going "Bang, bang, 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 bang." I'm like, get over here, you fucking asshole! You know. <laughs> It's uh, kind of like when you kinetic carded me to death, you know? Kinetic yeah, card. Kinetic card. Kinetic card. So speaking of that, um, I, I, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about X-Men Destiny because I played that game before we started the podcast. I actually bought it a long time ago on Amazon for like, I think, 20 or 25 bucks. I, you know, I heard the game got a lot of poor reviews, so I didn't want to pay full price for it or anything. But, you know, I'm a comic fan and stuff like that. But uh, sometimes I'm hard-pressed to play games without any reasons to play them. But I thought, since we were going to be talking all about X-Men tonight, um, I would try and finish the game. Um, I started it yesterday. I, I... played a little bit of it today. I'm not done with it by any means. Um, I blame John fucking Sublime for that because there's this point where you, you have to fight John Sublime and it's just 
like, besides the fact that the game gets glitchy sometimes, it'll get stuck on the loading screens, and then you have to, like, restart your whole system, kind of like the Young Justice game we were playing the other night, or whatever, Mike. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it gets stuck on the loading screens, and, and does a bunch of stupid glitchy stuff every once in a while. The camera's not as bad as Young Justice, but it, it has its moments. Um, but, like, when you're fighting John Sublime, it, it does my pet peeve of, um of games in terms of frustration, which is you fight John Sublime once, just man-to-man, dodge his attacks, beat him up. He falls over, and then it's like it's like they split up the boss battles into three different levels. And then John Sublime, you know, like, sticks some Sublime in his, you know, I don't know, his chest or whatever. And then it's like, then you have to go through this whole thing of, Oh, you beat him up a little bit, he tries to recharge, and you uh, smash this energy electric grid, or whatever it is, and then that fries him as he's recharging, and then you repeat this four more times. Then, after that, he gets all pissed off and becomes, like, the size of fucking Galactus. And then I was like, well, what the fuck do I have to do now? I wasn't really sure, and I died. When you die... You have to go all the way back to that first of the three Uh. parts, which is super annoying. You don't just start at the tower. You have to go back and fight him all the way through again. And so yesterday, that's where I got frustrated and pissed off, and I was like, fuck this game. I'm I'm not wasting any more time on it tonight. I tried it again a couple more times and figured out basically what you have to do is on the tower... He will, you know, be in Galactus mode. He'll he'll smash his fist down a couple times. You have to do this routine where the fist sends out these purple waves. You jump over the waves. You dodge the falling rubble and blah, blah, blah. After you do all that, eventually the spire that he's hiding behind, it stops being electrified. So then you can crawl up the spire, punch him in the face, basically, for a little bit. You do that three or four times, and then, you know, you get past the level. And I continued playing the game or whatever. Um, Some of the drawbacks of the game is it's not co-op. You can only play as one person. I think the reason why that is is kind of like the discrepancy between, like, Fall of Cybertron and War for Cybertron. I think kind of like... Uh, fall of Cybertron, you have a lot more choices in the game, so I don't think it allows for co-op. It's 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 weird. It's kind of like the Young Justice game we played, but it's got a little bit more uh, choice. You know, you can choose three different character types to play, and I played, like, the kind of Flash Thompson jock-type guy who, like, is into football or whatever. Um... And so, you know, you could also play, like, I think there's this, like, Japanese chick, and then there's this other kid who's, like, a purifier who finds out he's a mutant or whatever, so I guess that must be a lot more intense or whatever. Um, But anyway, uh, you know, the point is I picked the Flash Thompson jock guy, and kind of like the Walking Dead Telltale games, like, you do get to make certain choices, like, whether you want to hit up the Brotherhood guys or the X-Men guys. So that's kind of interesting, and I think it would lend itself to a bunch of replay value. You know, like, where you, you know, if you wanted to suffer through all the glitchiness and bullshit, like, you could go, oh, well, I'll play it as the Purifier guy next time, and maybe I'll, you know, 
side with all the Brotherhood characters instead of all the X-Men characters. Or I'll give I'll give the mutant growth hormone to Gambit this time instead of Colossus or, you know, whatever choices you want to make. So anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting and worth bringing up since we're since we're talking X-Men stuff. So and um, I don't know. Is there anything else anybody else wants to mention in terms of the X-Men universe? Um, I think I'm good. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of hoping, I would love for another, like, sort of X-Men Legends Ultimate Alliance type X-Men game, yeah, like, or yeah, even just Marvel, you know. I think um, X-Men 2, or X-Men Legends 2 was the best, like, version of that. Like, yeah. I feel like after, like, two, like they had one, and then 2 got a little more, like, complicated in the customizing, and then I guess maybe people complained about that because Ultimate Alliance has a little more simplified customizing. And then Ultimate Alliance 2 has really simplified customizing. So I think, like, X-Men Legends 2 was, like, the peak of those games where, like, you know, if if you're not, you know, uppity about that and you're, like, you know, a, a you like, like, micromanaging and stuff, like, that's the game for you. But I, I would like to see another game in that style, basically. And, of course, I would love to see another, like, Capcom fighter featuring the X-Men, whether it be another versus Capcom or whatever. Cool. And one one last thing I just thought of, too. If they could do another, like, remake of the arcade game, like, like more modernized, like they sort of did with the Ninja Turtles recently, but not as glitchy as that game was. But if they could do another beat-em-up, like with X-Men, I'd love that as well. <laughs> Yeah, I think that was like the the best X Men game they've ever released. So yeah, I'd totally be down for that. Sweet. Yeah, I do like that game. It's fun. I think it'd be fun if you could get more like character skins and different options. Like maybe instead of yeah. just the the six cartoon guys that you could play as. It, yeah, uh, be cool if do some other options. You know where you yeah, could play. Yeah, you could get like, like Mohawk Storm and stuff. Yeah, or, or yeah. whoever. Like Repl- you know, replace replace with Rogue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, things like that would be fun. Yeah, I think. Hey, you! Do you know how much that game costs? Yeah, a quarter. Cool. All right. Well, if there's not anything else in terms of uh, X-Men talk, um, we can move on to what is awesome in your world this week. Um, And so I will go ahead and start with Justin and ask him if there's anything awesome in his world this week. I've got two things. Um, thing number one is I got a Metal Men shirt from Graffiti Designs. Um, they do a whole lot of like really neat uh, DC comic shirts, and I picked this one up because I like the Metal Men, um, and it has that really neat. Uh, I think it's Kevin McGuire artwork of like the Metal Men like rushing towards you with their hands out like they're going to grab you. Like uh, it's a really cool shirt. Um, that that was a good run of um, backup stories in that yeah. Doom Patrol comic. Yeah. Um, my second thing is going to be an anime. It's called Servant X Service, and it's basically about the crazy, wacky adventures of you know five or six characters who work at a civil civil service office in Japan. And like the main character is this girl who has like you know ginormous boobs, but she's like a huge bookworm, and she's trying to find the person who let her name get approved because she has like a ridiculously long string of names so she's like really self-conscious about that but it's it's a really good show um 
our good buddy Funkatron on Bot Talk recommended it in the anime thread. And I watched it, and it, like, it's hilarious. It's like 12 or 13 episodes, and every episode had me cracking up. Like, there's all kinds of, like, wackiness in it, and it's really great. Sweet. Sounds good. Can you can you uh, just watch that in Japan now? Are there dubs? Oh, uh, can you watch them online? Like, what's the I, deal I, with that? I watched the subbed on Crunchyroll for free. Okay, cool. All right, so if you want to check that out, Crunchyroll is your spot for free anime goodness. Um, okay, moving down the, the Skype list, we got Mr. Tony Jackson. You got what your awesome thing in your world is this week? Uh, I've got two two. I'll do them really quick. Two two. Two First off, I finally got my hands on Sandstorm from the Transformers Thrilling Thirties line. Uh, Mike is probably like noob. <laughs> I still haven't gotten him. Oh really? Wow. No. Um, well, I mean, I could. I saw him, but I just didn't want him yet. Really. I saw him in the store, and I was like, I'd rather get him at retail. So I, I, I bid on it. So. Mike's like, um, I saw your awesome thing, but I didn't want it because it wasn't <laughs> awesome enough for Because it was lame. It sucked. <laughs> um, actually, he's a really good figure. Um, if you have Springer, which I'm sure everyone does, except for Derek. He doesn't like Transformers right now, so that's, that's why. But uh, I, I own Springer in my mind, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's in my paradigm. <laughs> but uh, Sandstorm is actually... I was going to bring this on my butt top. He is not a remold in my eyes. He's a totally new mold because he's got so many damn parts that are so new. <clears throat> it's like when you do a remold, it's like a uh, head or maybe like the chest. He's really a new mold. I mean, he's got the same design he does as Springer. I mean, he transforms similarly in a lot of ways, but he really is a new mold. And seriously, if you want to pick up a really great Transformer toy, He's a good purchase. I would definitely recommend him. Uh, second of all, uh, really quick, I've decided to delve into the madness of Breaking Bad this week. I know by the time this airs, it's going to be like well over for a year, but I'm late on trends. I can't help it. Breaking Bad is actually pretty fucking awesome. It's uh, about a guy named Walter White who uh, has terminal lung cancer. He's going to die, so he decides the best way to help his family is to make crystal meth. Yeah, that's that's positive. Really dark, really fun. Um, a really disturbing look at to how far someone will go if they're a good person to try to make things right with their family. I'm about four, five episodes into the first season. Bought all of them at Walmart. It was Black Friday. They were $10 a piece. I'm digging it. It's a good show. Uh, Brian Cranston, he's gotten a couple of Emmy Awards for it, and he totally deserves them. So, uh, yeah, if you have not seen Breaking Bad, if you're like me, and you just didn't want to commit, go ahead and commit. I think Mike likes it, too, so, yeah. Hey, Tony, not only did I not need Sandstorm yet, but I'm on season three of Breaking Bad, so burn! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I suck. Well, like, like I mentioned on the boards, um, I think for $10 a pop, even if it was full house or whatever, that that's <laughs> a... That's a great deal for, for any kind of DVDs, you know, season sets. So I think that in and of itself is pretty awesome, regardless of the show or its content. Yeah. So so congrats on your, your little Black Friday win there, sir. Hell yeah. I'm very happy with it. Sweet. Okay, well, we are now on Mike, so we will have Mike tell us what his awesome thing of the week is. 
Uh, mine's a TV show too. Um, it's it's uh, by the time this airs, it might either be canceled or in its <laughs> second season by now. But like, it's three episodes in right now, and I'm really enjoying the Fox show uh, Almost Human. Uh, it's yeah. what he called, yeah, by J.J. Abrams, or at least he's a executive producer, and you know, it, it's it's Carl that, Urban. That explains a, why Doctor McCoy's in it, huh? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, Carl Urban. He's a he's fighting. I think Justin made this joke. He's fighting crime in a future time. You know? <laughs> fighting robots, that black dude. Yeah, exactly. And he's got a android like uh, partner, but this is the one special android who like has emotions and stuff. And like, uh, you know, he's cool. He's funny. The shows, the show, kind of really reminds me of like the Star, like Abrams Star Trek movies. And that it's like it's clearly designed to be like a crowd pleaser. Like, you know, it's funny. It's got what the kids call feels, you know, where, you know, there's these emotional moments that are, like, designed to manipulate your emotions, basically, and stuff, and I fell for it, man. Like, I was, I, you know, I, I was I was into the show. I was laughing at it. Uh, it's got great action. You know, it's um, it looks like it has a very high budget, and I'm sure Fox will kill it by the time this episode airs. So, you know, <laughs> um... I hope it does well, but like I'm I'm realistic about this and I know, you know, who knows what'll happen, but so far I'm really enjoying it and you know, like I love Carl Urban's great. Like, you know, people think he's sort of just a wooden like action hero, but I like, you know, he he he's good at it, damn it, you know? Like he's you know, he he he's got all the snarky, you know, the dry humor and the snarky remarks and him and him and Dorian, uh, the guy, I forgot the guy who plays the Android, but, uh, they have a really good like rapport and a really good back and forth. And, you know, what do you call it? I hope this show like lasts cause it's really entertaining. I got, I got one thing to say to you, Mike. What's that? Benny and the Jets. <laughs> that was funny. That yeah. Was- so I, I haven't seen it, and I thought about checking it out, but now I'm afraid I'm going to kill the show if I watch it and like You're it. You're going to jinx it, Derek. So, so I think I won't watch it, because if I watch it and I like it, they're definitely going to cancel. You're you're like Cyclops, Derek. If you look at something, it dies. <laughs> I don't I don't have control of my eye beams anymore. Um, was that? Are you doing a double awesome thing like everybody else? Nope, was that that, that, that was, was your it. soul? Okay, cool. That was All right. It. Um, I know we, we've been talking about X-Men all night, but one thing I didn't get a chance to bring up that I randomly read, and I didn't think I was going to like it, um, but um, there was a three-part storyline that started with the all-new X-Men special, and since I was trying to catch up on X-Men, I looked at it, and I was like, what? Oh, this isn't written by Bendis. And then I was like, what? This is written by Mike Costa. Like, I'm not going to like this. This is going to suck. And I was like, well, I'm going to catch up and read some X-Men for the show. So I started reading that, and it's part of a three-part crossover. It basically goes from all-new X-Men to the Indestructible Hulk to the Superior Spider-Man team-up, and they all have these specials, and it basically deals with the time-traveling nature of things that are going on in all-new X-Men and Indestructible Hulk, and also this weird uh, Dr. Octopus 
from the past somehow comes into the present, and that also gets the attention of, of course, the superior Spider-Man, who, if you don't know by now and you live in a box, is Dr. Octopus in Spider-Man's body. So, of course, just like anybody who had been keeping up with comics lately sees Dr. Octopus fighting the X-Men going, what? He's a Spider-Man now. How could this possibly be happening? And, of course, as you continue to read the story, they get into more details on why and how that is a possibility. Um, but yeah, I was, I was surprised. I mean, I guess, you know, Mike Costa doesn't like writing toasters or whatever, and does <laughs> a really good job writing GI Joe or whatever. But, um, but yeah, this, this was, um, I, I enjoyed this. I thought it was a, yes. a, a good reason for all the, the people to interact. And I was, I was shocked. Like I, I honestly didn't think I would like it at all. So I yeah. think that's pretty awesome. I mean, it was, I was going to say, well, I was just going to say, yeah, like, I read the first part, and I was surprised. I was like, oh, that was pretty good. Like, yeah. And I was yeah. like, I guess since none of the characters are robots, Mike Costa can actually write them. Yeah, I stuff. guess he can he can wrap his head around it or whatever, because it was, it was well done, I thought. Yeah. Cool. Indeed. All right. <laughs> so I guess that wraps up our all-X-Men show for tonight. Um, you can uh, also... Uh, Oh, I guess I should mention, I, I know, you know, we don't we don't get a chance to do this that much because our shows run long and we're talking about different things. But um, some quick shout outs to, um, you know, folks that have been liking us on the Facebook, you know, whether it's our, our very own uh, Nathan Bouvier, uh, who's liking us. I think Tony's friend, uh, Misty Cap, like liked about like 12 of our podcasts in one day or something. I guess she was catching up or what have you. But we appreciate all those likes, and we just wanted to give some shouts out for, for those people that like us on Facebook. Um, if we didn't mention your name, but you gave us likes and, and sent us positive feedback, we appreciate that. Um, and you can, if you need to send any angry emails because you love the Fox Kids X-Men show and you think I'm a monstrous, horrible person <laughs> for saying bad things about it, you can send us emails at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we have a Tumblr, we have a Twitter, um, we have a Facebook, like we mentioned. Um, so there's all kinds of different means for you to uh, get in contact with us or find different things that we do on the interwebs. Um, again, please keep listening to all the podcasts, uh, the, the video sidecasts we have, and uh, any special you know, top ten lists or you know, special side story articles that we have going on. So until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek W.C., signing off to me, my fan holes. <laughs> this is Mike, and remember, first we charge the card, then we blow it up. This is Justin, for the future. And this is Tony. And just for our friend who cannot be here tonight, Brian, Maggot. Tony, we went an entire episode without mentioning Maggot, and then you ruined it. I know. I, I, I even thought about that. I was like, I gotta say Maggot. The, the greatest, it's like, 
I must call. That That should have been the premise of Wolverine and the X-Men. They, we should just make fun of it and be like, it's Maggot and the X-Men. The greatest X-Men ever. Maggot. Who has maggots on his body and they eat stuff and they're in his stomach and you must lead us. Like, what? <laughs> Go be all maggoty. Go be all maggoty. That, that's somebody who needs to be on that... Uh, Oh, the, the Pete Holmes Pete show? Holmes, or, yeah. Oh, the X-Men? Yeah, yeah, yeah. maggots. Are, so, you're maggot. You have maggots in your stomach. You're fired. <laughs> that that would be it. That would, like, be that the end That would just be it. it. Be, you know what be, maggots do. He doesn't have to say anything else. He's just like, well, you're not fired. even that. He, he could just be like, your name's maggot. <laughs> yeah, you're fired. Yeah, yeah, you're fired. Leave. You're fired. Goodbye. What, what did you do? I don't, I don't want to know. You're fired. That damn song is stuck in my head now. Thanks a lot, Pete Holmes. My mind!